Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. This is the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. everyone and welcome to the opening drive on 101 ESPN in St. Louis with Super Bowl champ Kerry Davis. I'm Randy Carricker. Great to have you with us at 7 o'clock. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Good morning, CD. How you doing? I am doing well, sir. How are you? I'm doing well. I always wonder, because we, uh, we both, we got to spend money on headphones in this business, right? Yeah. We, we do. And yeah. so we, you and I both have Beats mm-hmm. by Dr. Dre, which he does, he got, what do you get, like $2 billion? Yeah, he got a lot of money for something that. Like that. So anyway, Pretty well. uh, my, my right side of my headphones isn't working, and I never know if it's my ear <laughs> or if it's the headphones. That, that's not a good thing. I, I, I told you over the last few weeks, I've been dealing with sinuses, yeah. so I, I came in here, I think, one day last week, I was like, yeah, Randy, I can't hear out of my left ear, so just giving you a heads up. I, I, ears popping. It's just, you know, that time of season. Yeah, it getting is. Getting older. It's yeah. part of life. Yeah, hopefully. Let's see. Yesterday was, I went on a bike ride yesterday, my first okay. bike ride of 2023, and it was gorgeous, obviously. Today, it is going to get a little bit warmer. We got another 56-degree day in St. Louis, so that's not bad. Is it going back down next week? Uh, let's get to that daily. Uh, the, you know it j- is, right? Copter, does the does the copter no, have no, any? This is this uh, is the most annoying. No, this yeah. is the most annoying time of the year because here's the Ooh. thing: these next like this next week, it's like the highs are 61. We've got a 68. The lows are 34, yeah. and it's oh, like, yeah. wait, what am I supposed to do with that when I'm getting ready in the morning? If it's going to be a 30 degree, put on a sweatshirt and some shorts. It annoys the daylights out of me, Carrie. Yeah. So we've got uh, that's the voice of Matthew Rocchio, by the way. 68, but 100 percent chance of rain tomorrow. Oh my goodness, that's. Uh, but it looks like we're okay. Um, so over the well, next Monday, 64, we've got a lot of 60s. We're, uh, are we clear of the snow? I don't know. I'm not going to tell you you are. I don't I'm think not so. going to tell those, you you are, It's those guys. lows, Randy. It's like the high uh, It's the uh, low I'm 40s, sleeping. I'm high sleep, 30s. I'm sleeping during the lows. You're not. <laughs> you're driving here during the lows. <laughs> two minutes. It's okay. Well, yeah, two minutes for you. It's <laughs> 22 minutes for me. <laughs> we're going to talk to uh, St. Louis Battlehawks wide receiver Austin Kroll coming up. At the bottom of this hour, our weekly visit with Darren Pang in the 8 o'clock hour at 8.15. And then at 9.15, Mike Claiborne will join us from Jupiter. And Claib's boots on the ground down in Jupiter. And yesterday, CD, a great get-together for the Cardinals with the Hall of Famer, 13-time Gold Glover, Ozzie Smith, and the future Hall of Famer, 10-time Gold Glover, Nolan Arenado. And here's a little snippet of the conversation that those two had. You know, you just appreciate a legend, and uh, I appreciate he's a fan of me, but uh, um, it's good to have guys like him around. Um, I think it's really important for the culture. Let's not forget, 
you know, where we came from. And honestly, when I see him walking around, I don't know how these young guys are, but I know that I want to make sure I'm, I'm, I'm taking care of business. You know, I ain't making errors in front of Ozzy. You know, I got to make sure I do things right. No, no, Mike, I had a chance to watch him take ground balls today, and it brought back so many wonderful memories because you can tell somebody who loves what it is they do, their craft, the way they go about it. And he certainly is one of those people that go about it the way that I went about it. I, I can tell that you, that's part, you enjoy it. Yeah. It's, it, it, it's fun and, and you get a lot out of it. And you can see all that video at ClavesOnline.com. But Kerry, uh, you played for a legendary franchise in yeah. the Steelers. And you've told us that the guys from the Steel Curtain, the Hall of Famers were always around. How important was that to you? It's, it's extremely important. It, it, it gives you a kind of a, a lesson in history. You understand what the legacy is for for that organization, that franchise, and the standard that is set for that organization. Because when you see Mean Joe Green walking around, when you see uh, Mel Blunt, when you see all of these guys, Franco Harris was was always around, Rocky Blyer. Like, these are guys – I showed you a picture yesterday. That was my favorite picture. It was me, Rashard Mendenhall, Willie uh, Parker – and Rocky Blyer and and Franco Harris. That was the best picture I took the entire weekend mm-hmm. because these are running backs. These are this is our group, you know. And it, it just it just gives you, it gives me chills just thinking about what that means. And and Randy, yesterday I told you the the most important thing as a player is to be recognized by your peers. Mm-hmm. Even more important is to be recognized by your peers that played years before you. Is the guys that that you watched growing up, you know, the guys that you were, were trying to emulate when you were a kid, to, to, for those guys to have the respect for you and understand that you're working your butt off, that you're, you know, one of the top players in the league or you're, you're a key cog in a, in a championship team, that, is, that, is, that weighs more than gold, Randy. It, it is so important for us as players to get that recognition from mm-hmm. the guys that played the position before us that when they, when they, seal, when they sign it and, and give you a seal of approval – you, you feel like you can't do any wrong. I can't imagine that it would be any better than that. Now, I have a nephew that played in the Rockies organization, and he, he got let go during the pick. But he got traded from the Yankees to the Rockies, and he wants to get to know his teammates, so he wants to be the first guy in the clubhouse every mm-hmm. morning. Report time is at 7. First day of camp, he gets there at 8. And there's a, he gets into the locker room. Locker room's empty. Back door is open. And he hears, thwack. Thwack. Thwack walks out to the back door. There's Nolan Arenado at sunrise taking ground balls, backhand mm-hmm. ground balls. So my nephew Jordan, okay, I'm going to beat him next. I'm, I'm going to be here at five thirty tomorrow. <laughs> Gets there at five thirty the next day. Thwack, 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 and there is Nolan Arenado catching pop-ups down the third baseline <laughs> at five thirty. Finally, he got there at five the the next day, and Nolan Arenado was getting dressed. Wow, and. So Arenado, like Ozzy, if when we were kids, we would go to the game. We yeah. get there pregame, and Ozzy's taking ground balls. Right? He's working as hard as he can at his craft, and that's one thing that the Hall of Famer Ozzy Smith and future Hall of Famer Nolan Arenado share. It was it, it, it made me comfortable in, in in my being, knowing that I had prepared myself. I was prepared. I was never not prepared for whatever came that particular day. Yeah, yeah I mean. Like you said, I think, like we talked about, it's like you, you, you work on it, you do it, and when you make an error, you know, I would never blame the field, right? I would always blame myself. Like, I, I didn't, you know, I didn't. You look at your glove and think Yeah, yeah, I, I, no, I try not to be that guy that looks at my glove like, what the heck just happened? You know, I try to take ownership. Hey, I didn't move my feet right. 
you know, I didn't get on top of the throw. I didn't follow the throw. I threw like this. You know, those are things that I feel like when I make errors, I think it's, you know, I always know it's my fault. You know, I always put it on me because like you said, we prepare, I'm prepared for a lot of these hops, these plays that I believe I should be making. So when I don't, you know, I always say, you know, I got to take ownership. Like I was ready I just, or I, I got lazy or lazy feet. You know, sometimes you get caught off guard or, you know, it's just constantly like trying to remind yourself to stay ready. This video, by the way, the entire interview with Mike Claiborne, Nolan Arnauto, Ozzy Smith, available at claibsonline.com. But isn't that the essence of being a great Hall of Fame yes. quality athlete is yeah. being prepared like that? Yeah, and taking accountability. Yep. I think the one thing that, that young players can learn, I, 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 would, I would encourage all young players, no matter what sport you play, to go listen to great people at their prospective jobs or positions Listen, respective jobs, listen to what they, they have to say and how they go about their day-to-day business. Because for him to say, it's on me, if I make an error, I'm not looking at the field. I'm not looking at my glove like, what the heck, what are you doing? No, mm-hmm. I, I didn't move my feet well enough. I wasn't prepared in that moment. And I think that that's the thing that when you are a, a Hall of Famer or an all-time great, you understand, I need to do my job every single day, take no plays off. And in order for us to be great, I have to be my best that I can be. And... I don't think it just applies to young athletes. I've always thought in this business, if our management gives me the tools to win and I prepare myself, then I should be able to win. Now, sometimes you go to places and and you don't have the tools to win. If you play for the Cleveland Browns, they don't give you the tools to win on a regular basis. But here in radio, we have the tools to win. And that's why down the hallway, we all do. Mm -hmm. And what our administration does is they hire good people that are prepared and know how to go about doing the, the job the right way. And the Cardinals do a really good job of that. They, when they signed Matt Holiday, they said, hey, we, one of the reasons we gave him the biggest contract that they'd ever given out, $120 million, we know how hard he works, and we know that he's going to be ready to go. Nolan Arnato, Paul Goldschmidt, way back in the day, Ozzy Smith, the players that the Cardinals sign generally are not 100% of the time. I mean, you did have Brett Cecil with his video games. But most of the time, what the Cardinals do in terms of bringing in high-priced players to St. Louis is have guys that have a great work ethic and are, to use your word, accountable. Yeah, you, you accountable to yourself, accountable to your teammates, and, and a guy that we can trust. It, coaches say that often, can I trust mm-hmm. you? Can I trust you to be where you need to be? Can I trust you to do the job that need to, needs to be done when it needs to be done. And and that really, when you are that person and you have a, a God-given talent that, that is inexplicable, you're going to be one of the greatest to do the job that you're doing. And, Kerry, think about this. If you're Tyler O'Neill, if you're Dylan Carlson, if you're Jordan Walker, Lars Newtbar, if you're Brendan Donovan, Nolan Gorman, and you watch the way that Arenado and Goldschmidt work, and you still see Ozzie Smith, yeah. if, you, if you're a, an infielder, and you're watching almost 70-year-old Ozzy Smith doing magic at second base. You say, you know what? I want to glom onto what that yes. guy did. So uh, th- there are so many advantages to having these Hall of Fame quality players, especially when you have a team of youngsters. Randy, I, I can just see, I would have been, if I were Mason Wynn, I'd have been lurking somewhere in the bleachers, mm-hmm. in, in the dugout, just trying to soak up all of the information. Sometimes it's better to be seen and not heard. I would have just been sitting there listening to, to what those two gentlemen are talking I mean, even if you're Brendan Donovan, even if you're Nolan Gorman, you should be ty- ty- uh, Tommy Edmond. You should have been sitting there listening mm-hmm. to what those gentlemen are talking about in terms of how they go about their day-to-day business. Arenado is a future Hall of Famer. You, you said he, you believe he's the best 
third baseman to ever play the that's game. That's what I've ever seen. Ozzie Smith, in my opinion, is the best shortstop no to question. ever play the game. It's not. That's that should be it's every not, rational person's opinion. It's not even a, a debate. No. I don't believe. No. I, I think you know Jerry Rice, Ozzie Smith, the best players mm-hmm. at their positions respect, respectively. You don't you don't really question that generally. So I uh, I would have been sitting there nearby, or I would be on Claves online right uh-huh. now today. Trying to figure out how to get a hold of of, of this <laughs> this information, and I'm going to uh, be doing an event with Ozzy tonight, and I'll see if I can track him down and see if we can get him on the show maybe tomorrow or on Thursday, and hopefully we'll be able to talk to him about what we're hearing about because we we hear the thing with Arenado, but I do want to hear about his interactions with people like Wynn and Donovan and Gorman. That's Kerry. I'm Randy, and we're off and running here on this edition of the Opening Drive on 101 ESPN. Coming up. ESPN's Bradford Doolittle has the Cardinals' greatest organizational strength as left field. What do you think of that? That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Jerry Davis, Randy Carricker, and at ESPN.com, Bradford Doolittle has the Cardinals' greatest organizational strength as left field. So he's got Jordan Walker, first of all, as a left fielder, Kerry, and we were talking about this before the show started. My suspicion would be that the Cardinals will wind up playing Jordan Walker in right field rather than left. Yeah, because of his arm. Yeah, because he had of his nine arm assists in 198 innings last year. Now I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't think teams are going to challenge <laughs> yeah. that arm very often. They're, they're going to figure it out pretty soon. But if arm, they haven't already. Yeah, an arm that good. If you're playing Jordan Walker, I I think you'd kind of be wasting it by playing him in left field. He's such an incredible athlete. I think that he he profiles as a, a right fielder or even mm-hmm. a center fielder. Now, Tyler O'Neill, we know that when he's healthy has a chance to be a really good player. I'm not saying he's going to be good, but he has a chance because a couple of years ago, he had a 9-12 OPS at 34 home runs. And he, according to Doolittle, quoting, has carried on a long stretch of average or better play in left field for St. Louis that really turned into an organizational strength with the acquisition of Matt Holliday in 2009. Of course, last season was a struggle at the plate for O'Neill, who enjoyed a breakout season in 2021. He still managed to say, stay safely above replacement level. He also helped out in center field, so he required some help to keep the Cardinals green and left. He got it, too, with Juan Yepes, an 867 OPS and left, Brendan Donovan, a 744, Corey Dickerson, 732, all posting OPSs in left field better than that of Tyler O'Neill, who nevertheless still logged the most time at the position. And then he says that Jordan Walker is the future in left field. I just disagree with that. I don't disagree with the premise that left field could be the Cardinals' greatest organizational strength. Although, Mm -hmm. I do think that if you... I mean, Jordan Walker played... If you're going to do it this way, if you're going to pick a position for Jordan Walker... Until last year, he was always a third baseman. Right. So, isn't Arenado and Walker at right. third your greatest yeah. organizational strength? I, I, I would say I would pro- probably say the left field position because you're not going to play both of those guys at the same time. I, I, I would say outfield in general right now would, would be if you have a a healthy Tyler O'Neill. Which again, I, we we feel like I feel like we say this every week. If we have mm-hmm. a healthy Tyler O'Neill. He is a he is a top ten. He has been a top ten MVP candidate. He sh- he has shown the ability to hit the ball hard, to use his athleticism to make plays in the field and on the base paths. He can do it all. And then you add a Jordan Walker, who 
from by all accounts, can do it all as well. Maybe even more talented than what Tyler O'Neill is in a in a bigger version, six mm-hmm. five version of it. Um, I think they they have a lot of talent. It's gonna be it's gonna be up to them really to decide who plays in that outfield. And and the best part about it is the competition because if you if you know that you don't perform, you're not gonna have that opportunity. Somebody else will. And by the way, we need to look at this from Bradford Doolittle's prism of long-term success at a position because I think you might be listening and say, okay, well, we've got Tommy Edmund at short right now and we've got a guy with the the Trey Turner skill set and Mason Wynn on the way. That's our greatest organizational strength right now. This is talking about going back right now and staying, as he says, green into the future. Green light, red light, yellow light. And so that's what he's looking at. He's he's looking all the way back to the Matt Holiday days in left field. Yeah, I think that this is a... I'm I'm excited. We we are nearing the time. It, it it'll be here sooner than mm-hmm. later, Randy. We we've been talking about it, and just to to see these guys perform is going to be fun for me to see if they are actually what we have built them up to be. If Jordan Walker is all of the things that we've talked about, if Tyler O'Neill is going to stay healthy, does Dylan Carlson stay healthy? What does Newt look like when he gets back from the World Baseball Classic? Is he is he going to be the the right fielder or, or hold one of those guys off or say, you know what, Jordan is so good. I'm the next best. Put me somewhere else. Somebody else has to figure it out. It's it's an intriguing thing for this Cardinals lineup, for this outfield to figure out who is going to be where and, and really see how well they can perform. Craig Mish from Miami told us that when the Cardinals were in the hunt for Pablo Lopez, who subsequently got traded to the Twins, that the Marlins wanted Lars Newtbar. But the numbers people in Miami, in St. Louis, all over baseball, they think Newtbar is going to be a breakout star. Okay, so you've got Newtbar, you've got Dylan Carlson, who of his abilities, John Moselock said, I'll trade him, but you'll have to get him out of my cold, dead hands. Mm. That's what he thought of Dylan Carlson. <laughs> and you've got Walker and you've got Wynn. It's been a long time since the Cardinals developed a superstar player. Yeah. And one of these guys needs to turn into a superstar player. It's great to have, it's awesome to have Arenado and Goldie on the team. But it, when's the last time the Cardinals really developed a true, I, I guess, I, I think I would go Matt Carpenter. He was top five in the MVP voting. When when he was going, he was one of the best players in baseball, 2013, yeah. 2014. But it, for me, superstar is an extended period of time. Matt Carpenter had a, he was like a shooting comet. He, he, it, it flashed, the shooting star, it happened mm-hmm. really quick. Like, Albert is probably, for my well, opinion. For, uh, Carpenter gave you... Okay, I, I, I'm four on board. Or five years. Four or five years, yeah. Yeah, but but Albert. So you were talking about a decade. I'm talking, yeah, like okay. like going down in history as you know one of one of the best or or one of the best Cardinals to do it. I, I would say Albert would have been the last one. I, I you can't count Yachty. You Yachty, 2004. There you go, Yachty as well. Yeah, but, but not Paul DeYoung. Nah, I like okay. Paulie D, but nah. Okay, I, I, I like his nickname. We have the best listeners in sports. Okay, we definitely do. We get a text to the Air Comfort Service text line, 314-399-9646. 314-399-YO-HO! Feel free to text in all day, and if you want to leave a mic drop with the 101 ESPN app, whatever we talk about, you're more than welcome to react to it. But, Kerry, we get a uh, text from a guy named Calvin who says, You're old enough to have seen Brooks Robinson and Mike Schmidt play, and Arenado ain't even close to them. For starters, hmm. Nolan Arenado hysterical is not even close. I I get that if you I I said in my opinion <laughs> Nolan Arenado is the best defensive third baseman I've ever seen. 
if you don't think that Nolan Arenado is even close, and by the way, Tim Kirchin from ESPN, great baseball historian, says that Arenado's the best that he's ever seen. Mike Schmidt said that Scott Rowland was the best that he ever saw. Mike Schmidt played the position. Rowland says Arenado is. If you don't think Arenado is even close, I would question your judgment about defensive baseball. All your credibility went out the window for me when you said that Arenado isn't even close. If your opinion does not include Arenado being close to Robinson and Mike Schmidt, then to me, and I love you, but your credibility is lacking. Oh, I, well, I, I, is he just is Calvin speaking solely on third? Base defensive uh, uh, prowess, or is he talking in totality? He's, he's, offense and defense. Well, if it's offense and defense, then Brooks Robinson isn't even in the discussion. Okay. It, because his offense was pedestrian compared to Arenado and okay. Mike Schmidt. And I, if we look, I mean, Mike Schmidt was one of the great players of all, one not just one of the best third basemen, yeah. but one of the great players. Three-time MVP. Yeah, of, of all time. Yeah. But in... Eras, you can make a great comp for Nolan Arenado offensively to Mike Schmidt. Okay. So I'm not discounting the incredible ability of Mike Schmidt, but I would suggest that uh, if you aren't including Nolan Arenado in the conversation, then uh, you probably need to be watching closer right now. He makes some some plays, Randy. He made some plays last year that we both were like, oh, my goodness, how did that happen? It, I think it was one in, in Colorado uh, or one in Arizona. That one in Arizona made. was unbelievable. It, it, was, it was absolutely amazing just to watch. You, you didn't think he was going to be able to get to the ball or be able to make the play, yeah. and he did. And then the play against the Cubs. Yeah, yes. there, there, there was literally a play where Randy walked in and goes, that's the greatest play I've ever seen third base. And then a month and a half later, and then a month and a half later, Randy walked in and just goes, okay, oh, so here's the thing. <laughs> that's the greatest play I've ever seen a third baseman yeah. make. But third base, is first, it, it has to be the weirdest position in, in, when we, that we look at in Major League Baseball, especially like when we look in the rearview mirror. And I think the Hall of Fame proves that. Just the weirdness with which the Hall of Fame has always treated third base, I think that's what this guy's dealing with here. you you, you got a Hall of Fame problem, my friend. Listen, they're great, but every single baseball writer agrees. Uh, Mike, Sch- Mike Schmidt, 12-time All-Star, 10-time Gold Glove, 3-time MVP. He was awesome. So 12-time All-Star, 10-time Gold Glove. Nolan Arenado, in his first... 10 years, has won 10 gold gloves. And by the way, that's not voted on by the media. That's voted on by coaches and managers mm-hmm. of other teams. So it's it's he's not a media creation. He's a six-time platinum glove winner for the mm-hmm. best fielder in all of baseball at any position. Plus, he's a five-time silver slugger and a seven-time all-star. So I would, again... All the evidence backs me up that Nolan Arenado <laughs> is one of the greatest of all time. I'm with you. I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. I'm with you. We're a team. We are. <laughs> We're the three best friends that anyone has had. Kerry <laughs> <laughs> Davis, Randy Carricker. It is the opening drive on 101 ESPN. Coming up, what a win for the St. Louis Battlehawks in their inaugural game in the new XFL on Sunday. They beat the Brahmas of San Antonio. And Austin Prohl had an incredible game. And uh, I hope if you have those tickets down in the end zone on the north 
West Corner. I hope you bring a sign that says Prol Zone. Nah, yes. Like we had back in the day, right? And please do. Oh, and Ricky was thrilled, by the way. His dad, the Battlehawks receivers coach, with the touchdown scored by Austin Prol. And the Battlehawks receiver will join us next here on 101 ESPN. The smartest way to do your homework is Heckman Lumber. Warm weather means homework for homeowners. And if your homework means a new deck, then turn to the deck experts at Hackman Lumber. Browse the largest inventory of decking materials and deck accessories in Missouri at Hackman Lumber Company. Talk with their experts about treated lumber, cedar, timber tech, trex, evergreen, and azek to find the best deck for you. Check out endless choices of railings, balusters, and LED deck lighting options. Hackman Lumber Company will not be undersold on in-stock decking materials guaranteed. You can choose to do it yourself with Hackman's expert advice, or they can recommend reputable contractors to do the work for you. Hackman Lumber is an authorized Yeti dealer and also stocks a large assortment of grills, so celebrate summer with a new big green egg, Weber gas, or charcoal grill, and all of the accessories from Hackman Lumber. Come visit their showrooms in St. Charles, Pacific, and Troy, Missouri, or online at hackmanstl.com. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Third and seven. McCarry has a receiver. Caught. Touchdown St. Louis and a flag on the play. That is pro. That's his dad, Ricky, former teammate of Joey Galloway, and his son just had a huge touchdown with 16 seconds left. That was Sunday, the new iteration of the XFL, the new St. Louis Battlehawks winning their opener in San Antonio against the Brahmas with Super Bowl champion Kerry Davis. I'm Randy Carricker, and the man who caught the winning touchdown pass, Austin Prohl, joins us on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line here on 101 ESPN in St. Louis. Austin, congratulations on the start. Welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you guys for having me. Now, Austin, that was an, an awesome route, an awesome catch to, to hold on to the ball. But I thought the the after the touchdown, I thought that was even more exciting, watching your father get so – have you seen the video of how excited he was for you catching that touchdown? I have. I have. Uh, man, that was pretty cool. It's a, it's a moment I'll never forget, absolutely. I know uh, it was special for a lot of people, but to have him there with me and to see his excitement – you know, through his voice and just his his emotions come out was uh, was a moment I'll never forget. Now, you all were, were down in that game. You all were struggling offensively. Uh, I think only two first downs throughout the, the, the first three quarters. It was, a, it was a struggle. And when you're playing offense and it's not going that well, what were you all saying to yourselves on the sideline before that final drive, knowing that you needed to score, get a three-point conversion, and then go back and get the, the, the fourth and 15, which is essentially the onside kick? Yeah, I mean – First and foremost, shout out to our defense, man. They kept us in the game. Uh, you know, they gave us a belief, you know, with, with us struggling for three and a half quarters, um, you know, to kind of get something going, get something rolling on the offensive side of the ball. Our defense kept fighting, man. They were on the field the whole game. 
just getting stops, three and outs, uh, getting the ball back in our hands, missed field goals. Um, so it was cool just to, to see them work and to see the time that they've put in for the last six weeks in camp leading up to this game and just see their hard work pay off uh, to keep us in the game. And we wouldn't have won that game without them. Um, and just our coaches, you know, they kept us in the game mentally. Um, you know, it was emotional, you know, for the first three and a half quarters, just the start of the season, just fixing things on the run, uh, just getting things corrected. Uh, it's one of those things where, you know, it, a lot of times it happens in the first week, you know, whether it's in the NFL, college, um, pro, no matter what it is, uh, that first week's kind of, you know, one of those weeks where, you know, until you step out on that field, you don't experience things in practice that you're, you know, going to experience on the field. So, it was good. You know, we're going to continue to move our card and, and fix those mistakes. Austin Prohl with us on 101 ESPN from the St. Louis Battlehawks. And Austin, you were part of the rules of the XFL on Sunday. You catch the three-point conversion, which I love, from the 10-yard line. And then as the onside attempt, you catch the pass on the on the fourth and 15 to maintain possession of the ball. How do you like the rules? I mean, I love them now. It was an opportunity for us <laughs> to win the game. Um, but, uh, no, it's cool. I think it's it's a great thing that they've implemented that the uh that everybody's trying to you know, try out and see, you know, how it could work. Uh you know, it's an opportunity, it keeps people in the game. Um and like I said, I mean it, it was it worked well for us. Hey, you uh you all you, you obviously as Randy said, had the big catch on the sideline and then were able to score the touchdown. Has the XFL met the expectations uh you had going into what what were your expectations going into this season and, and have you been, have they been met thus far? Yeah, I mean, uh, The Rock, you know, Dwayne Johnson and, and Miss Garcia have done a great job of just giving everybody in this league an opportunity. You know, that's what we what we wanted uh, to kind of get back on our feet, whether it was injuries, you know, been out of the game for a couple of years. You know, for me, it was an injury this year. I'm in New York that kind of, you know, stopped me. Um, and uh, it's unfortunate, but there's a lot of guys in that position. And, uh, you know, everybody in this league has a chip on their shoulder. And uh, it's a blessing to just, you know, be able to come here and uh, – have another opportunity to, like I said, get back on my feet. And um, I think that's, you know, something that's unsaid for everybody here. Uh, so first and foremost, we just, you know, are appreciative of that. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's been great. The hospitality, uh, the way that the league has carried itself and just um, gone about the business of uh, just everything, um, the ins and the outs of uh, just every day the past six weeks. I mean, it's it's been great. Um, they've taken care of us, and uh, we're super thankful for it. You, you talked about opportunities, and, and it's an opportunity to continue to play football, to continue to be seen. But obviously the, the, the goal, I, I would assume, for a lot of you all is either to get back to the NFL or for those that haven't made it yet to get there. Is that something that you all talk about in the locker room, just making sure you're well prepared and, and focused in so that when that, opportunity, when that opportunity comes, you're ready to go? Absolutely. I mean, that's – that's that's the goal, you know, to get back to the league, get back to the big show, um, you know, and we're also thankful for where we are, though. You know, we AJ does a great job of talking to us each and every day about just being where our feet are and let the rest take care of itself, you know. So um, that's what we're doing. We're just taking it day by day, um, just one day at a time, just going to work, perfecting our craft, uh, getting better as an offense, getting better as a team, uh, working together. You know, we have a bunch of, of NFL guys trying to get back in. Um, and, and we're just continuing to take it day by day, work, you know, work day in and day out and just perfecting our craft and letting the rest take care of itself. 
Austin Prohl, have you met The Rock yet? And what do you refer to him as? Dwayne, Mr. Johnson, Mr. Rock, Rock? What, what do you call him? <laughs> um, I have not met him personally yet, uh, shook his hand or anything. You know, we've heard him talk in person a couple of times. He was at the game the other day. Um, you know, hopefully we'll get that opportunity, uh, you know, to shake his hand and just thank him personally for the opportunity. Um, I met Miss Garcia, and she was awesome. Uh, she was she was super dope and just, uh, you know, super caring and, and obviously got the opportunity to thank her. But, um, yeah, it's just it, it's a great opportunity, and we're thankful for it. Hey, how much fun did you have with that playoff run with your brother involved with the Vikings? Oh, it was cool, man. Just just watching him being a part of a team um, like that is special. You know, I got to go to a Super Bowl my rookie year uh, with the Rams, and, um, you know, unfortunately we lost. But, you know, to be a part of a team like that is super special. You know, be around a, a bunch of great dudes, you know, that can ball on the field and just are selfless. Um, it, it's super cool. And I know guys in that locker room where he is right now is uh, – are awesome for him and he's learning a bunch each and every day and you know Adam's just teaching him you know about the game and more about the game than and just about life so it's pretty cool to see him just continue to grow each and every day in Minnesota and just hearing stories and how much fun he's having on and off the field up there with his guys so uh it's, it's really cool Hey, Austin, obviously when you sign with the Battle Hawks you hear a lot of things how aware are you of the reverence with which the prole name is held here in St. Louis? <laughs> um, you know, rock and roll Ricky Prole is, uh, <laughs> is is something that's a big deal, um, big deal to us, you know, in our household. Um, St. Louis has always held a special place in our hearts, man. I, I can't tell that city how excited we are as a team to come up there and play. I know we've kind of had to put it on hold for, you know, another two weeks or whatever it is. But, uh, you know, we're we're excited and I'm excited, man. It's it's a place I spent five years of my childhood, some of the best memories and friends of my life, Uh, big games, uh, sitting in those stands in the Dome, huge wins, great players, Torrey, Isaac, Oz, Kurt, Marshall, um, London, just unbelievable uh, games that I've witnessed there and, and to be able to go back there and play in front of the best fans, you know, one of the best sports towns in the country is going to be unbelievable. Hey, you all have a, a, a tough challenge going out to Seattle, going against the Sea Dragons. What do you all expect from them uh, this weekend? Yeah, I mean, they're coming off a, a game on Sunday night that was uh, they played well in. You know, it's uh, a game, you know, that easily could have went either way. Uh, so I know they're hungry. You know, they want to get a win. They look great on film. Uh, we're going to come out. We're going to have to execute, you know, early. We're going to have to get off to a faster start than we did uh, this past weekend. But ultimately, we just play our game. Um, we believe in each other. We continue to fix these mistakes and continue to grow. Uh, you know, we'll be in, we'll be fine. You know, just got to continue to uh, be who we are and be, you know, continue to just perfect the things that we practiced the past six weeks and uh, we'll be fine. Austin Prohl, thanks so much. Congratulations on the game on Sunday. And uh, we will see you here in a couple of weeks for the home opener. And it should be wild at the Dome. Hey, con- continued success. And we appreciate your time. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Take care. You have a great day. You too. That is Austin Prohl.
the uh, receiver for the St. Louis Battlehawks. In addition to getting the Rams into a Super Bowl, uh, Kerry, and you're like this as a player too. Ricky Prohl was as philanthropic as any member of mm-hmm. the greatest show on turf. I mean, he would do charity on the off days on Tuesdays. Ricky was always doing something in the community. He was amazing, and his sons have taken that to heart too. They're uh, they're just really quality people. That I, I, it is important when you're a professional athlete. It's important to give back. It's important to do those things, you know, on your off days because. That's what we're. That's that's our job. We we were able to make it. We were fortunate enough to make it, and to be able to give something to to someone that can never repay you is probably the best feeling in the world when you can do that. Yep. Northwest corner of the dome. If you have those seats in the first row, you need to make a, a bed sheet sign that says "Prol Zone." And maybe we'll have John Madden say somebody's going to make a play to win this game. <laughs> that's the way it was. We don't have it, but we. We'll get it for at some point. We gotta we gotta hear that. We'll hear when we come back as we get ready for take it or leave it. We need your text to the Air Comfort Service text line 314-399-9646. 314-399-Yo-ho. Tioli next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time for Take It or Leave It. Wanna say something? Wanna put it out there? It, you can take it. If you don't, set it right back. Get your text into 314-399-9646 and give us your take it or leave it. Brought to you by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. That's my final author. Take it or leave it. Terry Davis, Matthew Rocchio, Randy Carricker, and it is time for Take It or Leave It on 101 ESPN. I'm just looking at ESPN. It says, should the Bears trade Justin Fields and draft Bryce Young with the number one pick? Oh, what oh, do, what you thought they were going to mention that one time in well, these four months? Who's trading for Justin Fields? Randy, uh, who, why would the Bears want to trade him? Yeah, right. I mean, he was... He, okay, so he, here's what you do. If you're he started gonna, figuring some things out this year. You're not going to draft any wide receivers in Baltimore. You trade Lamar Jackson, and then you trade for Justin Fields. Oh, okay. okay. Good. Okay. Good. There All right. Go. Okay. I can see and that. And then you lose... Yep. At least three more games per year. Yeah. Mm. Time for Take It or Leave It. Get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 314 399 9646. Carrie, I'm sure you saw this quote from LeBron James about the remaining 23 games as the Lakers try to make the playoffs. Oh, yeah. Two games out of a play in spot right now mm-hmm. in the West. LeBron says, quote, It's 23 of the most important games of my career for a regular season. It's the type of mindset that I have, and I hope the guys will have coming back off the break. Take it or leave it. You're sad that LeBron doesn't remember his career. Um, <laughs> I'll tell you. Why not? Why not? Randy, you, you actually went right into my take it or leave it. Russell Westbrook was traded from the L.A. Lakers to the Utah Jazz, bought out from the Jazz, and now is going to sign with the L.A. Clippers or has signed with the L.A. Clippers. The Clippers are number four, and as you said, the Lakers are a couple of games. They're number 14. 14. Yeah, 12. They only got... 15, 13. Yeah. 13 right now. They um they're number 13 in the in the in the West. The Clippers and the Lakers play each other the third game, third to last game of the season. Take it or leave it. Russell Westbrook and the Clippers prevent the Los Angeles Lakers from making it to the playoffs with a win in LA versus the LA Lakers. Kerry, 
I will see that Clippers win and raise you a Russell Westbrook triple double in that oh, game. Oh yes! <laughs> how 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 satisfying would that be for Russell? Oh man! I mean, like yeah. to, to to be the reason that they don't make it to send them home. Yeah. I, I think the Lakers will be close enough. I mean, the West, you know, they're 13th right now, but they are four three games from being he... from being number six. That's how tight yeah. the West is, and so. You know, I could see. I really hope you guys don't get hired I, as NBA writers. I hope. I know. The NBA the would script, love us. I would hate this script. We, we wrote oh, the script. No, yeah. this is a bad script. This is yeah. bad. This is a good script. I don't script. like this. I don't They're like going to love all. it. Can I give you Do one you other one? how sad Clippers fans were yesterday? Uh, when they signed Russell? So sad. Yeah, but bad. they were but so sad. Paul George loves them. So, yeah, it's you know. important. Yeah, maybe they'll play well together. Uh, one other quick one here for both of you. I had a smoothie for breakfast that had kale in it. Okay. Take it or leave it. If you hide the flavor of kale, it can be pretty effective for you. It kale is is I, I actually like kale. You gotta put a little little uh a, a little seasoning on it. Salt, pepper, and kale some or spinach. What would you do? Spinach all the way. Okay. I mean, they're essentially the same thing. Thing is, is kale that much more healthy than spinach? Then I suppose it's I super, like spinach. Superfood. Oh, okay. Kale. I like kale and spinach. Yeah. I, I've never done kale in the air fryer. I need to do it in the air oh, fryer. I've never done it. Look, yeah, garlic yeah. powder, Randy. Yeah. Look, Give it a shot. Look. That's how you and Anything to hide the flavor. <laughs> you taste it. If you don't taste it, I mean. All right. I don't know how much hey, it listen, takes listen. away if you put too much salt and listen, pepper on it. There was a couple hundred years there where a lot of people died for spices, and, I, and I'm not going to let them, their sacrifice die in vain, Randy. I, I agree wholeheartedly. Yep. All right. What do we got on the text line there, Matthew? Take it or leave it. If Carlson doesn't hit better, he could be the odd man out when Walker comes up in the outfield. Take it. Ah, take it. Yep. Carlson needs to hit better left-handed. He's fine right-handed, mm. but he just needs to hit better from the left side because he has been lately just abysmal from the left side. Is there any chance they just stop having him switch it? I don't think so because he's been doing it since he was six. I think the player has to be on board with it. And I don't know that he would be on board with it. Last year, Carlson, as a right-handed hitter, had an OPS. Let me give you this. uh, As a right-handed hitter, an OPS. uh, I'm sorry, as as a lefty hitter, uh, 845. And as a righty, uh, 633. So the OPS is not great as a uh, right-handed hitter. He just needs to do what Geronimo Pena did. Geronimo said he was going to stop switch yep. hitting, and then he went out and yeah. hit two home runs. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Take it or leave it. This is optimistic. Take it or leave it, or very pessimistic one way. Take it or leave it. The Cubs will be more than 10 games worse than the Cards in the 2023 season. I'm going to have to leave that. 10 games Ten worse? Games worse than the Cards? I will leave it. I'm going to have to leave that. What do you think? You think, gonna be, you think it's going to be a I race? Think, I, think I think the Cubs might be a 500 team. And by the way, that would mean if the Cardinals won 93 that they'd finished well. I, I can see them finishing over 500. I, I think they'll be within 10 of the Cardinals. Okay. By the way, just to clarify here, because I I had dyslexia. My dog is an awesome dog. Um, as a left-handed hitter, Carlson, 633 OPS. As a right-handed hitter, 845 OPS, just so that you know, via radio. Well, thank you very much. That's why I wanted Cody Bellinger. That's to be a left-handed hitter. I was 100% outfit. with you on that one. Take it or leave it. The new XFL will last at least three seasons or more. Leave it. Darn. Leave it? Leave it. Darn. Yeah. What do you if think? They would have been pl- if they would have chosen just one year? championship game in the Dome this year, take it or leave it. That you, you, You'd take three seasons. I, I, I would take that. Here's the thing. We look at it from our prism because the Battlehawks are the crown jewel franchise of the whole league. 
nobody else is going to draw like we do. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that the financial gain will be worth it. Is there a chance, Randy, in the future? Let's say it does. Let's say it lasts two years. Is there Mm -hmm. a chance... Of a of a merger, no chance, no chance at all, none, zero, no no none. chance that one of these teams or two of these teams, no, make a transition into the NFL, no, never, because those owners in the NFL of the thirty two individual franchises, they aren't sharing any money with the Rock at all, <sighs> and they would have to share money with him. Well, buy he, him out. He'd have to pay a lot they to get him in. out, but long term, what they're looking at is value of franchises. Mm. And they're looking at TV money that they're sharing amongst each other. They don't want to do that anymore. And you remember what Rock did to them in Ballers. They don't want to. Oh, yeah. 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 It was, it's not. <laughs> kind of I mean, they, there's not still pretty. a little bitterness there, yeah. I think. Some of that was a little bit. A bit much, Carrie. A little bit, uh, Carrie. You don't get to answer this one. Okay. Take it or leave it. If Dennis Dennis Gates will be one and done because some better school will pry him away, we'll leave that. Why don't I get to answer it? Fine, you can answer. I like Coach Gates. Yeah. I'm gonna leave it as well. I think he'll stick around in Mizzou. Hey, hey. Well, they got him. Yeah, leave it. They're not. Yeah, I'll leave. I just <laughs> <laughs> I almost I almost went down the path. Why, oh, why did I say you shouldn't I, answer? I, 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 <laughs> I almost went down the path. My apologies to Mizzou fans. Here's the thing. Not really. <laughs> you can't help yourself, I can't. can you? Mizzou I can't. is a sleeping giant. Mizzou is a, a it's a good basketball it, it, for a, a coach. It's really a good opportunity. You can do, for example, Don't smirk. You, you could do as much with Mizzou as you could with Texas A&M, right? Uh, I, I think so. I, I, I honestly... I think Mizzou has a has a really good history of basketball. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I Anthony Piller, Javon Crudup, like those guys were my people that I watched growing up. I, I enjoyed watching them play basketball. I just, you know, storming Norman, like you 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 got they got some legacy there. Yeah, and they used to be able to when it was illegal, they bought players. So there's no reason to think that they didn't exactly. buy players now. Darn right. It's International Pancake Day. Take it or leave it. This should be the only time pancakes are celebrated as waffles are far superior. Leave it. Oh, leave it. Pancakes are much better. Okay. You here's my thing. You can you can always crunch. You can always, if you need, be put a little syrup on the waffle, fold it, and then roll out the door. You can't do that with a pancake. That is awful, Rock. Can't do that That with a pancake. It's not as bad as Mac and cheese with a spoon, but it's it's close. So, on <laughs> on National Pancake you're late Day, for church. You no, go. you're late for church. You gotta go. No. Back in the day when my daughter was in school, on National Pancake Day, I would allow her to be late. I would take her to IHOP for the free fa- pancakes on National Pancake Day. And by the way, February twenty. 20- Actually, uh, next week, a week from today, is National Pancake Day with the free pancakes at IHOP. So take advantage of it on the 28th. But yeah, I would take her to, uh, uh, rather than dropping her off at school, I'd let her be an hour, hour and a half late. And we'd just go get uh, pan- free, are, free pancakes at IHOP. You do parenting dad. right, Randy. That's fantastic. You do parenting right. I- just gonna. Okay. I may try that one day. I, I never well, t- my I son is I, at I school never, by the time I, never I get had to had that work. happen once for me when I was a kid. Really? Well, my parents worked a lot. Yeah. So because my dad took me out of school for a Cardinal Day game every year, I did that with my kids. And so one of the biggest fights we ever had was the opener of the 2000 season, Monday night, Rams, Broncos. And Monday night, school day the next day. 
And I said, Patrick's going to the game. And she said, no, he's not. And I said, yes, he is. <laughs> <laughs> You've got 200 damn school days a year. You've got one Monday night football game where you're defending a Super Bowl championship. One where you're raising a banner. Obviously, I won that battle because yeah. I was not going to lose that battle. I can't believe anybody would think otherwise. I mean, you've got the opportunity to go watch the banner for a Super Bowl champion be raised, and he still remembers it to this day. So that's something that I would never deprive my kids of is mm. the ability, because you do have 200 days of school, all due respect to teachers and academia, all due respect. All due respect. But one day to do something fun, and then the 199 other days you can go to school. There was an episode of that in like a, a, a TV show when I, I watched when I was a kid, and like the mom got really mad and the teachers got mad, and I was like, and I sat there wa- wondering the entire time, I'm like, this seems like a pretty legitimate reason for a kid to miss some school to see something. He was trying to watch a no hitter. He was trying to stay up until like midnight to watch a no hitter. Mm-hmm. That's c- perfectly reasonable. I've never got, I've never watched a Cardinals no, I've never got to watch a Cardinals no hitter. I wasn't like, I wasn't yeah, consciously watching Cardinals, uh, you know, games when I was what eight years old when it happened last time. And so I haven't, I haven't watched the Cardinals no hitter before. Yeah, so, so like that'd be special. Yeah, CD who was Farrier? Farrier on your team was yeah. the, kind of the, the guy, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> One time, we had uh, in, in high school, we had my marketing teacher out for two days. We knew he was going to be gone. First day, the assist, the uh, substitute teacher was terrible. I mean, just, <laughs> just, nobody liked the substitute teacher. So this is where Randy's leadership ability came okay, into play. Okay, twenty-three person class. Okay. 22 of us wind up at Wendy's for lunch. Oh, my. My idea. You have always, well, been, a, I'm always a been a leader. I'm a leader. The one person oh. that stayed in class. Dude. I don't know. I mean, we had the homecoming queen oh. uh, there sitting with us. We had really smart people. We had really, we had me. We had really dumb people. But <laughs> we had 20. I don't know what it was, but I convinced people. Maybe I said I was buying. I don't know. Oh. But, so we had 22 out of 23 of the class. I still don't even remember who the 23rd was. But 22 people, yeah, at, at Wendy's for lunch, and it was delicious. That had to be the most delicious lunch ever. It was great, yeah. A bad substitute. Come on, if you're going to be a substitute teacher, be fun. Be a fun yeah. substitute teacher. You should be. Here's right? the, that's Show the other, a movie. That's the other thing. I did not go to a, I went to a private school my entire life, mm-hmm. and so I never once ever got to really skip a class. The best I ever did was I, I snuck into a, I, I snuck into like a, a closet to like sleep one time. <laughs> got in a lot of trouble. <laughs> what? It was in band. It was in band class. Uh, it, was, I, it was off to the listen, side. Randy, I, was, I was tired. I, I'd never, I never. I didn't skip a class. I tell you, I skipped, skipped class. I just, you know, sometimes I didn't make it there. <laughs> make it I completely That's, understand. What are you? Waffle House. Yeah, you're unbelievable hey. hypocrite. You, oh. you, you challenge me for sleeping. You're over here with a waffle. I house. had a theory though, right? This is my theory. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Here's my. This is a legit my theory. theory. Hypocrite. This is a legit theory. <laughs> if. I w- this was my theory in college. If I was gonna go to class and sleep, I might as well stay in the bed. That was a th- I mean, thought. I was a forward thinker. Yeah, if I'm going to sleep, I'm gonna just. Yeah. Why would I get up? Why would I go? Why would I get up to go to sleep? Yeah. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Academia. Keep this this one in mind. Don't even do accounting in hour number one. Don't even bother with <laughs> accounting in number one, okay? Because half of us, we know we're not going to be accounting. Even if you are, all due respect, I love accountants, but it's kind of boring, kind of, kind of a tired thing. So that's another one we're going to sleep through, right? You, you are. Yeah. I mean, also, so also, don't even bother. Put same, it after lunch or something. Same thing. Do never show a movie the first period of class. No. And then I get know. mad that yes. kids and then they, and then get mad that kids fall asleep. Yeah. I had a teacher in high school. This was well, I mean, if, you, 19, if you're not letting the kids sleep in the day, but mm-hmm. where they let us actually take a nap. It was the best that's, class. I'm like, that's oh, a great you are, class. Yeah. You are sounds, amazing. Yeah. That's, that's fantastic. fantastic. This, is, this is some great thinking so, here. 
Yeah. Uh, put your hands down. Take a nap. What's up? That's great. That's fantastic. Why not? Uh, I teach you let, med- yeah. let us meditate one time, and I was like, uh, yeah. you know Same what? Thing. I heard one thing when I heard that. I heard nap. There you go. Uh, what Selfish Randy is telling you here is that I just put myself on a level with James Ferrier. <laughs> <laughs> Coming up, Eric Bieniemy has a new gig. But how's he going to do in that gig? That's next on 101 ESPN. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. A fresh perspective on the day's top stories. It's the Opening Drive's fresh take. Brought to you by Schnucks Rewards. Reward yourself. Earn 2% back on every purchase with the Schnucks Rewards app. Eight oh six in St. Louis. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Super Bowl champ Kerry Davis. I'm Randy Carricker. Darren Pang coming up in just a few minutes. But Kerry Eric Bieniemy finally got another offensive coordinator job. I guess not finally, but he has been interviewed for fifteen different head coaching jobs by sixteen franchises. And a lot of people wondered why did Eric Bieniemy never get a job? Tony Dungy a long time. He had to yeah. interview a lot before he got the job in Tampa Bay. But there are people that have gotten, even minorities, that have gotten jobs ahead of Eric Bieniemy, and we've always wondered why. I mean, there were, there have all been a lot of stories about his his past has come up. You know, his coaching style has come up, and then whether or not he actually uh, calls plays or or is running those meetings as an offensive coordinator has been a question that that has been talked about as well. So, you know, I think that for him to be able to go to Washington and kind of get a fresh start, to be able to run his offense the way he sees fit, to be able to do all of the things that maybe he wanted to do or and was unable to do or or you know some of the things that he has ideas about that he wants to try out. I think that'll be an opportunity for him to go to to Washington and try those things out and see if he can have the same success or some of the same success that he's had in Kansas City. One of the issues, apparent issues, is that he is pretty old school, right? He's yeah. he's kind of Lombardi-esque and it's it's a little bit of my way or the highway when he deals with players. Yeah, and and if you're in the right place, that can go well for you. And if you're in the wrong place, it can go mm-hmm. not so well for yeah. you. I, I told you a few times that we had a coach that came in as a as a first-time coach and was doing a lot of screaming and yelling and cussing and fussing. And and at practice, James Harrison tapped him on the shoulder and said, Hey, we don't we don't talk to each other like that here. 
and that was it. Mm-hmm. Simple. And after that conversation, that coach did no <laughs> had the need to no longer speak in that manner, and and that's just the way that it it goes about. Uh, and talking about Eric Bieniemy, how he handles his players, Shady McCoy had some thoughts on it uh, the other day. A lot of these people that go on social media, oh, he should be the guy for the job. They haven't played there. They're not in the locker room. I've been in the rooms where he's coaching, and he has nothing to do with the pass game at all, right? When the plays are, are designed, that's Andy Reid. When we watch the film or practices and we correct the, the, the wide receivers, the running backs, the, the quarterbacks, he doesn't talk in there. Andy Reid talks in there. He may say things to the running back because he's an ex-running back coach. I get that. But he has no real responsibility for being in me. He's... My first practice, I couldn't believe it. He dog coaching, he dog cussing the players. I'm like, and not just the regular players, Kelsey, you know, you know, other players. So it's like, it's hard for me. I'm rooting for him because he's a black coach, and I love to see black coaches win. Also, he's a running back coach. Running back coaches will never get a chance to be True. office coordinators. The yeah. last one was like Anthony Lynn. So I want that to, 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 to do well for him. But if I have to do my job, to be honest, my thing is just where is the true value at? You know, when I initially saw what was being said until I actually heard it, I had a different thought. And when I heard it, it it sounds like it could be accurate. I mean, when you're in those offensive meetings, there's one voice talking. That's the person that is calling the plays. That is the person that is getting everyone in the right spots. Even the position coaches don't talk. Our running back coach doesn't talk in that meeting. The receiver coach doesn't talk. The, the, The quarterback coach is not talking. The offensive coordinator is the one speaking. Mm-hmm. And if he's saying that in those position meetings, in that group meeting, offensive meeting, that Andy Reid is the one, you know, telling everyone what they need to do, then Andy Reid is the offensive coordinator. I, 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 I'm just going based off of what yeah. LaShawn McCoy says. And so if that's how it truly is, then it would make sense for if people really know, hey, he does not call plays. He is not – no, that involved with the passing aspect of the of the plays. And if you are a coach that talks to players, like I said, Randy, Nick Saban didn't last long in, in Miami because of his demeanor. And Jason Taylor and Zach Thomas were like, yeah, no, mm-hmm. <laughs> we're grown men. We're, we're not college kids. You're not going to speak to us in this manner. That is a tough way to be to, to, to go about your day to day business. If you're speaking to people or being disrespectful to professional athletes. And I would think that that's probably a bigger factor because owners know, they, they talk to other coaches, owners know who is somebody that the players respect and enjoy working with or don't respect and don't enjoy working with. Because if Andy Reid was talking in the offensive meetings with Eric Bieniemy as the OC, I have to believe he was with Doug Peterson as the OC or Matt right. Nagy as the OC or Pat right. Shermer or Brad Childress when he right. had those guys. Those are all from the Andy Reid coaching yep. tree. but. The interaction with subordinates is what seems to be the concern people have. I think that would be one of the main concerns is how you go about your business with your people that you're coaching. Are you able to fit in or or get along with the people that you're coaching? And and so, you know, there are some coaches that have a tendency to to take shots or be disrespectful to certain players. And, and, you know, I would say all the time, Nate Washington, my guy, would get fussed at by Bruce Arians because he wasn't going to fuss at Santonio Holmes or, or Hines Ward. He mm-hmm. just wouldn't. So, you know, he would talk to Nate, but really he's talking to Hines and, yep. and to Santonio. Well, it seems to me that the enemy may be a straight shooter and going to go directly to the source, and that may not sit well with everyone. 
and now Bieniemy will have an opportunity if if he succeeds and he's got complete control of the offense in Washington. If he succeeds with Sam Howell as his quarterback, then he'll probably get a job next year. And if he doesn't, then and if it it's goes over. south, yeah, it's probably and probably won't get. He'll be on the outside looking in for yeah. coaching jobs in the NFL. Well, Maybe he'll back get to a, a running back job. coach. Yeah, but probably not calling uh, offense again. No, no. That's Kerry. I'm Randy. Coming up, the Blues are back in action when they take on the Avalanche. Uh, do they play the Avalanche? No, I've got the wrong one. When's the Blues next? They play uh, Hurricane tonight. Hurricanes tonight. There you go. I'm really paying attention. Uh, Blues and Hurricanes tonight. Darren Pang next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. We're talking everything St. Louis Blues as we head into the Blues booth. Presented by Boardwalk Hardwood Floors, a proud partner of your St. Louis Blues. Find your perfect new floor at our four convenient locations and online at BoardwalkHardwood.com. Super Bowl champion Kerry Davis, Randy Carricker. The Cardinals just announced that Guns N' Roses is going to be rocking Bush Stadium on Saturday, September 9th. That will be near the beginning of Blues training camp for the 23-24 campaign. We go to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. We talk to Darren Pang every week on this very program. And we need to know, Darren Pang, if on September 9th, Saturday night, you will be at Bush Stadium rocking to Guns N' Roses. Yeah, that's a, that's a negative for the little fella here. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah, you know, and uh, not that I not that I don't, but if you know, if you said some, uh, anyway. <laughs> okay, good, good answer. I, I'm I'm with you there. I'm actually, a, I'm a mellow music guy. You know, I'm I'm, I'm a little old school, and uh, and and sometimes with those, I think with that headset on our ears for our entire lives, being broadcasters. Sometimes that pounding just absolutely kills me. So I'm going to go no on that. Okay, so you're driving around. What's so, what are your what's your genre? Not genre. What bands are you listening to? What artists are you listening to? I I I love music, and so I can go anywhere from honestly from Simon and Garfunkel to Springsteen to Neil Young to Pink Floyd to Led Zeppelin um, to Steepers. So anyway, that's that's kind of where I'm at. I mean, I could, gotcha. could be John Mellencamp. It could be yeah. So I, 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 as my my wife likes to say, you listen to the same music all the time, and I'm like, you know, I hardly know the names. I love the music. I use that Soundhound all the time because I'm like, hey, this is a good song. And she's like, yeah, so and so sings. I'm like, whoa, that's a really good song. So she she tells me I got to get out of my cave a little bit. So yeah. But, uh, I understand that a lot, uh, Panger. Panger, the the uh, Blues made a trade <laughs> a couple of days ago, sending O'Reilly and uh, Achari to to Toronto. What are your thoughts about that? And and how how did the Blues rebound, or or are they able to rebound for the rest of this season? Yeah, rebounding is hard, and certainly you know we're on the road here in Carolina. I've had a chance, you know, following the game against uh, against Ottawa, uh, that uh, talking to the players and. It, it's hard for them. You, you guys know that. It's it, that's, you know, you take away Tarasenko and Mikola uh, were removed, and and one. It's funny when that trade happened. You know, the Blues kind of found some common ground in that in that locker room, and they came back hard and won three games. So when they won three, and and Ryan O'Reilly's returning, and his mantra to the to the team is, let's just keep winning, let's keep winning, let's keep forcing them. Maybe we'll climb the ladder. Maybe there won't be any moves. Maybe, maybe, maybe. You know that that kind of thought process. 
Carrie and I, I, you know, there was real positive vibes. Well, you know, when army had this chance to make the deal now, now that empties the cupboard. So now they've, they've rallied from the first one. Now they're, they're looking there. It's, a, it's an afternoon game against Colorado and you're, you're, you're lacking really top. I mean, really good players. I mean, you don't just eliminate Ryan O'Reilly and, and, and Nola Tari and say, okay, let's go guys. You know, you've lost some emotion. You've lost some, some spark. And, and, um, and so I expected that game and, 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 uh, going into Ottawa, I was, uh, oof. I, I, I thought maybe they'd route, you know, rebound a little bit and, and get their game. And the guys that are getting chances, um, that wouldn't normally get chances. I thought they'd really come in there and, and show some bite. And, uh, and so obviously that didn't happen in, in that disappointing loss in Ottawa. So, um, yesterday, uh, on the off day, uh, I think it was important. And Doug Armstrong did meet with his players and uh, had several different times for different players and different groups of players. And I, I you know, I don't know what, exactly what the message was because obviously I'm not there, but um, I think that, I think the players needed that. I think they needed to find out what, you know, what's, what's the plan going forward. We've got a lot of players that are in their 28s to 32s that are on uh, long-term deals. And I, and I think when there's question marks or they don't know what's, what the great plan is, uh, then you know it's it's bothersome. So I think yesterday's meeting was a very important one for for the organization and and the way that Army handled it with his players. Panger, you have seen a lot of the Kings this year in your work with uh, with TNT. And Army said on Saturday that is the rebuild or retool that he would like to emulate because you're familiar with what they've done. Why have the Kings had a successful turnaround? Um, why have the Kings had? You know what they. They went out and got, you know, a player that was still in his, you know, in his prime, signing to a long-term deal, and that's Philip Deno. Um, that complemented, you know, the uh, the back nine of the great career of Anche Kopitar, so that Kopitar didn't have to take on all the responsibility every single game of defending. Um, so that's, you know, that's number one. Um, they... They have a, you know, they're, they're, I think their coach did a really good job last year getting them into the playoffs. Um, and, and, you know, quickly, another player that they turned around was, uh, was Arvidsson, was another one that mm-hmm. just went, you know, bang, Arvidsson's in there and a guy that can skate and keep the pace. And I, I think that's what Army and a lot of managers are trying to determine right now. And, you know, is, is the pace of play, the speed of play. And that's hard, you know, when you're, when you're used to seeing the Blues grind it out and getting the pucks down low and, and wearing down the opposition, and now we're in transition. So in order to be in transition, you need, you know, veteran players, I think, like L.A. did. They, they were a slow team. Dustin Brown retired. Arvidsson comes in, you know. Uh, so Philip Deneau's done a good job because uh, they brought in – I know they brought in a guy from Minion. I'm just sorry if I – Kevin Fiala's there. Kevin Fiala's having there. a really good year. Okay, so there's your guy. So all three of those all three of those guys can skate. All three of them have speed, and all three of them have been through playoff – the experiences and none of the three are old uh, and part of the over the hill gang. So I, I think that's, that's one way of kind of describing it. And listen, it wouldn't happen to LA. Listen, their goaltending, you know, they might've made a mistake with one of the goaltenders being signed. And if not for Phoenix top stepping in there and giving them some life, you know, they'd be on the bottom side of the, uh, of, of the, of the playoff line as far as I'm concerned. So, but, uh, but all in all, they're, uh, they're, they're a good team to emulate and how they've, do- they've done it for sure, and they did it quickly. Hey, Panger, do you think the Blues are done, uh, or do you think they'll make another move before the deadline? Oh, I'll, I'll take the, they'll take an, I'll take the uh, <laughs> board game uh, 
there will be another move before the deadline. That's what I'll take. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, we, 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 I mean, we're still sitting there with UFAs and, uh, you know, for sure. I mean, Ivan Barbashev's a slam dunk on, on being moved for me. So, um, you know, a UFA that, uh, his numbers and, and I'm sure Army's numbers or their representatives, um, are, are probably a part on that. I know he's represented, uh, by uh, a, a fellow that represented Ilya Mikhaev that went from the Toronto Maple Leafs to the Vancouver Canucks and, you know, went from basically ground level to not, uh, to 4.75. And I, I'm sure that that's Dan Milstein is the agent, and I'm sure that he's been in his ear. So they're looking for a big payday. And so as a UFA, I think he would garner, I think he's going to garner a, a first-round draft pick. I do. Um, I think I think Army's going to add one more. And uh, one more first round draft pick to the uh, to the stable right here. With all of these with all of these draft picks, do you think that the Blues are going to actually use them to draft players, or or maybe package them to get something else that they could actually use for for next season? Um, the, I mean, this is just me feeling this way. Um, I I believe that Army is going to put like I believe he's going to put packages together to the best of his ability. And get court, I get some players in here that are gonna be quiffed and swift and um, what's the? I mean, I, I do. I, I believe he's gonna try as best he can to make moves with these picks and bring in players that are gonna be impactful players and 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 move this thing along quicker rather than than longer or later. Panger, I want to get your read on Jacob Chikrin because he's on the block. A lot of teams are interested in in Chikrin. What's your take on the the quality of him as a number one guy? Mm, well, because um, if you're getting him, you're getting him as a number one, right? He's got to. If, you, if you're giving up that sort of cachet to get yeah. a guy like that, yeah. I mean, I I think on the offensive side of the puck, he's a good skater, and he. He seems to slide in a lot. You see a lot of highlights of of, uh, of Chikrin, you know, sliding in from the point. He's got a very good shot. Um, a number one, you know, like last year, the Blues were and made a deal and thought that they had uh, Hampus Lindholm, uh, left-hand shot, a number one D. Uh, the issue was that he, he wouldn't sign the extension with St. Louis. He wanted to be in the East. So, um, you know, so does that fit the bill of what Army's looking for? Yeah, there's a good possibility there. I don't think he's a number one or two. This is just me. I think he's more of a two and a three than a one and a two. So I think he's a sec. I think he's a second pairing D. Uh, and uh, and I, the worry that I have with him, and you know, ho- hopefully, you know, if you're going to make a move for a, a guy like that, you've got every single one of his medical records. But boy, oh boy, guys, has he had some bad injuries? Yeah. So that's. That's kind of a you know a bit of a, a beware of what what's what you're giving up. And Panger, so. I'm so glad you said that because I was saying the, the exact same thing to to friends over the weekend who are enthralled by the prospect of getting him. And I said I I'm with you. I think that he's more of a second pair guy. So I'm I'm glad mm-hmm. to hear you validate my thought because I have a whole lot more respect for well, for your feeling about no. hockey players than mine. <laughs> Well, th- thanks for texting me earlier and telling me that you were going to say that so I could back you up. You know, that's, that's a savvy move by you, Randy. Hey, hey, Panger, who would be a number one defenseman that the Blues could target if they were to be able to trade some of these picks? Mm. Yeah, and see, I'm not, I'm not sure if it's, def- you know, defensemen ideally right now um, that, that you're targeting. I mean, we're, we're very slim uh, in the top six position right now forward wise you know and so i mean it's quite clear 
and it will be. People are people, and these and these two players are going to find out how difficult it is. And I'm talking about Thomas and Cairo. How difficult it is being the <clears throat> the top two on the opposition that the other team they, they're they're gearing up for you. They're they're circling your name and your number are circled on their board. You're not being hidden behind uh, Vladdy or uh, or Ryan O'Reilly. Um, you're, you're right there. And so this is going to be a real tough test for them to go on the road and, and get away from matchups or play through matchups, play harder against matchups, and, uh, and be effective five-on-five. Five. And this is the true test, guys, and this is a good one for, for, those, for those two young players. They're no longer being hidden behind any other top players. Panger, last thing, Marco Scandella activated, available tonight for the Blues. And it's a long time ago, but I really liked Marco Scandella when he was with Minnesota. I thought he, he was a really more than serviceable guy. But we're in 2023 right now. We're in February of 23. Mm-hmm. What can Marco Scandella bring to the Blues? Well, you know what? He'll, he'll bring some much-needed energy. Um, he's, he's got that personality. I, I know that it was a while ago since he, I've been between the benches and he's been playing, but he always had, you know, he always had that uh, ability to say things on the bench, to be supporting his teammates, to be like something that's, that's very much needed right now. I think it's very important for these players to, to, to get the energy level up. No, one's, no one feels sorry for you when things like this happen. And the Blues have been on top of the rung for a long time. And they're the team that so many have emulated for a long period of time and and now it's tough so I think now more than ever a guy like Scandella coming to the lineup will be very very vitally important uh, for that for you know for a lot of reasons because he's a good player and a good skater but especially the energy and the enthusiasm that he brings Panger always good to hear your voice thanks so much we'll be tuned in tonight and you have you have Blackhawks tomorrow I do I'm, I'm in the studio actually I'm oh, okay, going back good. to Atlanta yeah tomorrow and, and um, try to settle that this and that down there, Biz Nasty and and, and I, and Anson Carter and I will go at it with Liam. It'll be yeah, it'll be a lot of fun. We'll talk again about uh, Patrick Kane because he seems to be, you know, missing every time he. There's a team that I think he's got interest in. I think Doug Armstrong comes in and ruins his party a little bit. Keepers, <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll be tuned in. Thank you very much, Pang. Appreciate it. Okay, guys, have a good day. Bye bye. Darren Pang on the Blues tonight from Carolina on Bally Sports, and then tomorrow. On the desk at TNT, talking about how uh, Doug Armstrong has stymied the Chicago Blackhawks twice now because the Rangers were after Patrick Kane Mm -hmm. and the Leafs were after Patrick Kane. (laughs) 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 Sorry, Blackhawks. Sorry that happened. Hey, we need a fighter. Because really, to have a fight, unless you're Brad well, Thompson and like you beat yourself oh, up, well. you really need two people to fight. Okay, yeah. Brad Thompson or Kerry Davis. Because I've done that as well, <laughs> unfortunately. So, but I am of the <laughs> ilk that I need a fighter to fight against. Text in six five. Uh, no, not six five seven eight zero. Remember that? Three, I only did it for fifteen years. I'm used to it. Three one four three nine nine ninety six forty six. Three one four three nine nine. Yo ho! If you use the letters on your phone and would like to fight against me, next on one hundred and one ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on one hundred and one. ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome to the fight! In the red corner, average Joe Listener! And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of Morning Drive! Please welcome Randy Carricker!
I am Kerry Davis, joined by Matthew Rocchio, and it is time for the fight. And Rock and I almost had a fight in the break. No, just kidding. We 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 were we do what Not we normally it. do. Nope. Go back and Not forth in good fun. Rob, how are you doing today? Save us from our fight and getting ready for this fight. How you doing? I'm doing real good in yourselves. I'm doing well. You ready to take on Mega Mind today? Absolutely. All right, here we go, Rob. The Boston Bruins are now on pace for 133 points this season, which would put them exactly one point over the current record for most points in a season. Which team owns that record of 132 points? Is it the Detroit Red Wings, the Montreal Canadiens, or the Tampa Bay Lightning? Uh, I believe it's the Montreal Canadiens. All right, when Brett Favre won his third straight MVP, he became the only player to ever do it, but he also became the first player to have to share his MVP award. Who was the co-MVP in 1997 in the NFL? Was that Randall Cunningham, Barry Sanders, or Terrell Davis? Uh, Let's go with Barry Sanders. All right, Rob. Manny Ramirez holds the Major League Baseball career postseason home run record with 29, which current or former World Series champ Astro is second on the list with 23. Is it George Springer, Carlos Correa, or Jose Altuve? Uh, Jose Altuve. And Paul Goldschmidt's 115 RBI last year was the highest for a Cardinal in over 10 seasons. Since 2000, who is the only Cardinal other than Goldie and Pujols to top the 115 RBI mark in a single season for the Cardinals? Is that Scott Rowland, Jim Edmonds or Ryan Ludwig? Ooh, uh, let's go Ryan Ludwig. All right, we will double check the scores and we will bring in Randy Carker. You're on something today. Uh, I, I, I am. I, I was going to tell you how many I thought. I had a, I had a, hi, Rob, how you feeling? Uh, very average. Very average. Well, that. Uh, you know, sometimes average is good in, in this fight. Normally, not so good. Randy comes in with his <laughs> propel uh, and his mind sharp as and clear as can be. Clear eyes, whatever. Yeah. Clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. There you there go. You clear go. eyes, full hearts. Don't, yeah, the don't, other don't, can. don't, don't just mock. Co- you know, don't, go, don't mock Coach Taylor right there. I, I was. Right. That, that was uh, Chris Chandler. What, what Kyle Chandler? One of the two. It's a TV show. It's from the TV show. The Friday TV Night show. That's no. We don't okay. get that one. All right, Randy. What? Say hello to Rob. No, not no. Rob. Good morning. How you doing? I'm very good. And yourself? I'm doing great. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. We do appreciate it. Absolutely. Glad to be on. Thank you. Ready? you. Ready, I'm ready. ready. All right, sure, here we yes. go. The Boston Bruins are now on pace for 133 points Woo. this season, which would put them exactly one point over the current and all-time record. Which team owns that record of 132 points in a season? I think it's still like the 1975-76 Montreal Canadiens, if I'm not mistaken. The Tampa Tampa had 131 a few years ago. They they almost got there. The, the year the Blues won the Cup, Tampa was the prohibitive favorite, and then they got knocked out, swept in the first round. Not a great first round when you have 131 points. I'll go with Montreal. Randy, when Brett Favre won his third straight MVP, he became the only player to ever do it, but he also became the first player to ever have to share his MVP award. Who was the co-MVP of the NFL in 1997? I think that might have been Barry Sanders' 2,000-yard season. Because I think I had him on a fantasy team and won a championship. Really? Yeah, pretty good. I'm going to go with Barry Sanders, 97. All right, Randy. 
Man, Manny Ramirez holds the Major League Baseball career postseason home run record with 29, mm. which current or former World Series champ Astro is second on the list with 23. Altuve. Jose Altuve. Shocking, but true. And Randy Little po- fella. He's like panger size. It's the drums. Did you see? Did you hear that? <laughs> did, did you see? Did you hear the drums beating? Yeah, I did. Oh. Boom, 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 boom. I thought you were going to rip your shirt off. So, hey, no, I can't. I got tattoos. Um, there's a... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there's a very ge- well and a very, done. And a very well jealous fiance. Yeah. There's a, there a meme go. going around with a little tiny Altuve on top of the new bases. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. I saw that. Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> okay. All right, right. Number four. Paul Goldschmidt's 115 RBI last year was the highest for a Cardinal in over 10 seasons. Hmm. Since 2000, who is the only Cardinal other than Goldie and Pujols to top the 115 RBI mark in a Cardinal season? For a long time, Matt Holiday was the only... It had been since blank when Matt Holiday had over 100. So I will go over 10 years. I don't think that Beltron or Berkman did that. I'm going to go with with uh, our guy Matt. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a tie, and it is a very high-scoring tie here. So we'll go to our tiebreaker. And, Rob, the rules here of the tiebreaker is I will read the question. We'll give Randy a moment to write down his answer. We will then give you your chance to answer the question audibly, and then we will tell you what Randy answered, and then whoever is closest to the pin wins this edition of the fight. Rob, do you understand understand the rules? Yes, sir. All right, Randy, are you ready with your piece of paper? I'm ready, yes, 2007 piece of paper. All right. How many total goals have been scored in NHL history by goaltenders? How many total goals have been scored in NHL history by goaltenders? Just a moment, Rob. We're going to let Randy write down his answer. Randy has written down his answer. Rob, what is your guess today? Oh, um, literally no clue. Let's go with 422. All right, we have a winner of this fight, and it was a close one. If you guys want to know, three questions correct each for Randy and Rob. This was a close one. Did Rob get enough today in the fight, or does Randy keep on rolling? Ring that bell. The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carriker. The fight is driven by Mobile On The Run. Join the On The Run STL Wash Club for a limited time offer of $5 a month. Download the app today. Just win, baby. And I'm sorry, Rob. He got you on the tiebreaker question. The total amount of goals that have been scored by goaltenders in NHL's history, just 15. Marty Brodeur up there with the most with three individually, including the only game winner in goaltender history, which we broke on the fight a few uh, weeks ago. So I said Randy, 10, by the way. Randy said 10. So he was, he was a little bit closer to you, Rob. My apologies. But you, I mean, <laughs> just a little. It was a great fight. Three to three is a great run. Let's go through those answers. The Boston Bruins are now on pace for 133 points this season. That would put them one over the Montreal Canadiens, who Randy correctly said it, 76-77. 132 points is the current record. The Red Wings and the Lightning both coming in with one with 131 past seasons. Brett Favre won the third straight MVP. He had to share it with Barry Sanders, the co-MVP of the NFL in 1997. Manny Ramirez holds the MLB career postseason home run record with 29. Jose Altuve has 23. George Springer is tied for fifth all-time with 19, and then Carlos Correo just behind. 
behind them with 17. And Scott Rowland is the only mm. other player since 2000 other than Paul Goldschmidt and Albert Pujols to have 115 or more RBI. He had 120 his second year here in a Cardinals uniform. He should be in the Hall of Fame. So he, he should be in the Hall of Fame. And so that is a – we go to our tiebreaker again. 15 goals scored by goaltenders. So, Rob, you did so well. Three's a hard number to get to, but unfortunately you're not the winner today. Randy just barely beat you. But thank you so much for joining the fight and joining the show today. Absolutely. You guys have a good day. Thanks, Thanks Rob. Rob. Appreciate it. Rob with us on 101 East. If anyone heard me laughing, Randy was jumping up and down, ecstatic, with his arms raised above his head after the victory. <laughs> <laughs> it was almost like he was impersonating a statue I've seen. It was, uh, that was pretty funny. <laughs> I can, uh, uh, Thanks. Yeah, I like to go. make you laugh. It was it was funny. <laughs> hey, coming up. <laughs> I just want to say, CD was not happy that I put a Brett Favre question. In nah, there. nah, hell, man, we don't need no uh, damn Brett Favre questions. <laughs> the hell, are we doing here? The hell's going on? <laughs> What's going on? What's going on in here? Thanks, Coach Lombardi. <laughs> oh, Sorry, coming up here on 101 ESPN. Darren Pang thinks the Blues are going to have four first-round picks in the 2023 draft. What can they do with those? Jeremy Rutherford wrote about it at The Athletic. We'll talk about what we think they can do next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. The Blues got a couple of choices in the Vladimir Tarasenko trade, three choices from Toronto in the trade that sent Ryan O'Reilly to the Maple Leafs. And now the Blues have just a wealth of assets that they can either use in the draft or carry that they could trade for something. And Jeremy Rutherford has an interesting piece up at The Athletic talking about what the Blues' approach might be. Right now, they're looking at three first-rounders in this upcoming draft this summer. One uh, second-rounder, two-thirds, and then their fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh. 2024, they have a first-rounder right now, two seconds, a third, two-fourths, and that'll probably move up to a third if the Rangers make the playoffs this year, and then they fill it out with one pick in each of the le- uh, next three rounds, and then just their own cachet of picks in 2025. If I am the Blues and a cash-strapped team has a player, and Doug Armstrong used the age range of 24 to 26 mm-hmm. on Saturday, if there's a, a player that fits, that Doug Armstrong evaluates as a guy that could be a Stanley Cup championship player for the Blues, I would have no trouble if the Blues would trade all three of those picks to go get that number one guy. Whether or not that number one guy is going to be available, I don't know. Army wants the player to have term, but this is why you collect assets to get greatness. If you can get known greatness in exchange for whatever, the 10th pick and then two picks between 25 and 32... I would do that. Rather than spend the picks, it's a roll of the dice once you get past the top two or three in the NHL. If I can get a superstar player, I'm going to do it. Are you looking at a player that's going to be an unrestricted free agent next season? Got to have term. I, I Like Army said, you have to get a player that's under contract to a team that was affected by the cap or mm-hmm. their cash situation and just can't afford to have him around anymore and wants to rebuild. So where are you looking at, if that's the case? Who who in particular are you looking at? Because there there are... For me, I've always been a fan of of drafting your guys, you know, teaching them the right way to play the game in your system, drafting, evaluating, and bringing them up 
in the right way mm-hmm. at the right time and allowing them to fit into the because when you draft a guy you know exactly what you're looking for you know exactly what your team needs and is going to need in the next three to five years and so I, I feel like if you're drafting that puts you in a better place it just depends on what's available in the draft we already know that Connor Bedard is going to be the number one pick taken mm-hmm. he, he is right. he is solidified in that you believe, and I think most people believe, there's no way the Blues can find their way to get that top pick, even with all of these first-round draft picks. No one is gonna gonna trade that out. So I'm an optimist. I so you do believe that there's a chance. So you're saying there's so a chance. So you're saying there's a chance. Yeah. Yeah. Is somebody, anybody, at some Chicago point, Blackhawks. Yeah. No. I don't want them to get the pick. Anaheim. Anaheim is a logical choice. There are a lot more logical destinations if you're the league and you want to fix things. Like, that's never happened before. Uh, but there are a lot more. <laughs> We're not talking about scripts still, are we, yeah. Randy? I mean, you've got the Anaheim market. You've got the Chicago market. You've got the San Jose market. Uh, there are a lot of teams out there. Montreal, if you could get him to Montreal. And then the Blues right now are sitting with the, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seventh, eighth worst record, and they're five points ahead of Montreal. So they could fall off dramatically enough so that they can be in the hunt for that top pick. If you get that, great, awesome. But if you want to rebuild quickly, like when Panger brought up the point of uh, Arv- Victor Arvidsson, when the Predators traded him to L.A., people were shocked that the Predators would move him. So I'm thinking that it'll be a player that we aren't even considering the idea of him being available right now, and all of a sudden he winds up being dealt. Well, the reason why I asked that was because if you're looking at some free agent market that will be free agents next year, and, and maybe you don't have to trade some of those draft picks, do you look at a, a Timo Meyer from, 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 from San Jose? Is that a, is that a name that, that piques your interest? I like him. I wouldn't give up three number ones for well, him. Well, he'll be a free agent. Right. But so is that... So, but, but we don't have the cap space. The Blues just don't have the cap space to re-sign him to the deal that we're that he's gonna. The Blues are still gonna be, I think, within four million dollars of the cap, even with the moves. What is he made. gonna? What is he gonna require next year? Oh, he's a uh, ten, he's, he's a nine ten nine, million, ten million. Dollar, yeah player. You got to find some players, Randy. Yeah. You gave away two, not gave away. You traded away two of your best players and, and two of your guys that have been here for a long time. And, and we've been talking about this, Randy, right now. We don't know who the top six is. We don't really have. If you look at this roster and 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 the the, the pairings of what's going on from day one, I would love to see a side by side comparison of what we had from day one to what it is oh, yeah, right now. Yeah. It is it is drastic, right? Mm-hmm. And so now you you're looking at trying to figure out. You know, Buchnevich is out. Saad is still out. You're trying to figure out who are these guys that are going to be able to compete because. I don't know about you, Randy, but watching six goals given up before you even get on the board is going to be a tough thing to watch every night if that's what you plan on doing for the next few yeah, weeks right. during the hockey next few months during the hockey season. And I think one of the things that we have to keep in mind, and this is always important, Wayne Gretzky got traded, right? Wayne Gretzky got traded by Indeed. the yeah by by the Oilers. Uh, somebody's calling me. I don't know. Who. I should... They don't know you work from I seven guess, to ten. Yeah, every clearly, day. they don't. What are they doing? Or maybe maybe it's Thompson. I don't know. <laughs> but let me just throw something out there as a, and I, I would not predict this would happen. But this is the sort of thing that has happened in this league before. If Edmonton makes the playoffs again and gets knocked out in the first round again, and they decide, okay, it's not going to happen with both McDavid and Dreisaitl. We need to take a different approach here. So they decide to move a guy like Dreisaitl. Do then, you do that though? I mean, if you're if you're you got two young stars and studs. Whenever I think of that, I think of uh, I, I think of Mario Lemieux 
and and Yarmir Yager. That that's where my brain goes to. Uh, Sid Sid the kid and and if gone, um, uh, Malkin Malkin. I think about those two guys. When you have stars, that's where where my brain goes to. And you don't just trade away one of them because it's not working right now. You find another piece. That's why I thought Ryan O'Reilly might have been a a piece for them to to get in the trade because he he could help solidify them in that role. And I just think that if you have two guys that are taking up so much of your cap, and again, like like I said, I wouldn't predict that it'll happen, but maybe they'll decide, you know what, we need to allocate into other areas. Rather than paying two guys a total of $22 of our $80 million cap, a quarter of our payroll is going to... uh, to two guys, maybe we need to do a better job of allocating because right now McDavid's the highest paid player in the league at twelve million a year, and Drysital. Let's see where his actually. Uh, I thought Drysital was a lot higher than that, but he's uh, he's still making a pretty substantial amount of money, and I don't think that you can go down the road. I, I don't think that that's a sustainable plan to have two players that are making up virtually a quarter of your yeah. your cap. I'm just. You may be right, and maybe they look to move one of them. I, I don't. I wouldn't do it because I think when you have, you always need a Batman and a Robin in any sport. Essentially, baseball is a little bit different, but when you have basketball, you got football, hockey is hockey and hockey and basketball. To me, are are star-driven sports where if you got a star, you got a guy that can score the bucket. If you got a guy that can put the puck in the net, you're gonna be able to win more games than not. So. I personally wouldn't do it if I were them, but but money talks, and sometimes yeah. you have to make move, maneuvers depending on you know how much money is being spent. Drysaddle, by the way, making eight and a half, so they've got twenty one million dollars, literally a quarter of their cap yeah. tied up in those players, and they have other players making money. Zach Hyman's making five and a half. Nugent Hopkins is making five. Uh, Yamamoto is making uh, five. Uh, Kane, they, they've got under contract. Plus, they have uh, Dar- Darnell Nurse under his big new contract at 9.2. So they've got a lot of guys that are making a lot of money there. It's just an allocation issue. I don't know if they'll do it. I, I doubt they'll do it. But it's just something that if you're the Blues, you call up and say, hey, are you frustrated because you never advance in the playoffs with these guys? You, you just got to take your shot. So you would you would eat, you would would take the $8.5 million if you are if it's dry side. Yeah. You, would, you wouldn't mind spending that yeah. on He's on a superstar. Okay. He's an established superstar. That's what I want to get. What about defense, Randy? What, 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 need to work on that. Well, tell need, me when we're going to need to work that. on that. I, I I heard that Colton Pareko is signed long term to big money. Oh, okay, he's, he's the, the number it, one guy. There you go. Panger, Panger said it best. You, you have you have Thomas. You have Cairo. They're now going to have to prove themselves as true one A players. You have Shen. If you're going to trade away Barbashev. What other, I mean, there's no you're missing three play, players in your top six, and so they're really going to have to augment. I mean, as much as we want to complain about the defense, one, one of the biggest defensive issues on this team was the forwards in the forecheck, and two, there's no depth now. That's Matthew Rocchio. That's Kerry uh, Davis. I'm Randy Carricker. Coming up, today's big thing. MLB.com says the U.S. has only three players that are best in their position in the WBC. What are they thinking? That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Randy and Carrie break down the biggest story of the day on the Opening Drive. It's time for today's Big Thing. (laughs) 
9.06 in St. Louis. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. All right, CD, I, I have a couple of bones to pick with our friends at MLB. Okay. Let's start with this. Last night, I was watching Bob Costas and Tom Verducci, their excellent, well, I thought it was excellent, series, mm-hmm. the 20 greatest games of the last 50 years. And they were talking about a uh, 1991 game, NLCS Game 7, between the Pirates and the Atlanta Braves. And they were saying, okay, we've got uh, the top game coming up tomorrow. I said, well, this is obvious, because they had run down the the top 20 so far. And uh, here's what they have as their top 20. 1979, Phillies-Cubs. October 4th, 2003, Giants-Marlins. Uh, 1980, Phillies Astros. 2004, Yankees Red Sox. 2009, Tigers Twins. 1995, Yankees Mariners. Uh, number 14, 1993, Phillies and Blue Jays. Number 13, 1997, Indians and Marlins. Number 12, 2001, Diamondbacks and Yankees. Uh, number 11, 1978, Yankees and Red Sox. Number 10, uh, 1988, the Kirk Gibson game. Number nine, game seven between the Yankees and D-backs in 01. Number eight, Red Sox and Angels in 1986. Number seven, greatest game of the last 50 years, the Bartman game. Number six, Red Sox and Yankees from 03, the Aaron Boone game-winning home run. Number five, Mets and Astros in 1986, 16-inning thriller. Number four, 1992, Bru- Pirates and Braves, that one. Uh, 1986 is the number three greatest game of all time. Red Sox and Mets, they list as number two. 1991, Braves and Twins Game 7, Jack Morris, 10 shout-out innings. And you think, okay, obvious. Game 6 in 2011 has to be number one of all time, right? Got to be. It's not even in the top 20. They're hmm. listing Game 6 between the Red Sox and uh, the Carlton Fisk game. Red Sox and Reds in 1975. That when he they was list- pointing it fair. Yeah. 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 You telling me that game six in 2011 is not one of the 20 best games of the last 50 years? Randy, I, 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 the way that I remember this game, my father passed away. He passed away a few years ago. But I remember him calling me because I was in L.A. I was not watching the game, unfortunately. I was running around doing something. You were singing. Uh, I, I was singing, singing, working, doing I was, acting. I was, acting. I was, acting. I was busy. I, yeah. was, I couldn't watch the game. And my dad called me. Screaming, are you watching the game? You won't believe what just happened. Oh my God, Freeze did this. And I'm like, what? And so I, wherever I was at, I like run across the street, try to find a bar to, to look at the game. And I remember watching that and seeing that. And just that moment for all of St. Louis, really for all of baseball fans to really understand what happened in that game. I, I don't know how you leave that off of any list, any postseason uh, list in terms of greatest games of all time, the Cardinals were dead to rights, right? They, they had no chance to win that game. No. And then they did. Joe Buck has been on this air, said best game he's ever seen. Dan Schulman, been on the, this air, said best game he's ever seen. Jason Stark has been on this air. Tim Kirkchen, been on this air, saying best game they've ever seen. It's un- Tim McCarver, best game he'd ever seen. I can't believe, I don't get it, how yeah. Major League Baseball not only left 2011 Game 6 out of there the last 50 years, Cardinals aren't even represented. Yeah. The Aussie game isn't represented. Go crazy, the, folks. Go crazy. Yep. Yeah. The, the yeah. Jack Clark game isn't represented. Uh, the the Jimmy Baseball catch game. The Jimmy Baseball a, walk-off game. Catch. Even, even the Pujols, the, the yeah. game it, when they lost the series. But Pujols Lidge. down in there yeah. in Houston. Yeah. Not a single Cardinal game among the 20 best games that have been seen by the folks at MLB Network. Man, it's interesting. 
Uh, here's another interesting one for you. The World Baseball Classic gets underway next month, and MLB.com has listed the best players at each position in the Classic. Catcher, JT Real Muto, United States. They've got Freddie Freeman ahead of Paul Goldschmidt. Freddie Freeman of Canada as the best first baseman. They've got Jose Altuve of Venezuela as the best second baseman. They list Manny Machado. Manny Machado is the best third baseman in the WBC. Nolan Arnauto is playing in the World Baseball Classic. The MVP of the league, Paul Goldschmidt. Who I, I, I must have missed it. Did Freddie Freeman win the MVP? I don't think so. Freddie what? Freeman. Okay, I'm just making sure. Did he neither one. Were they? Was he top three? Freddie? Yeah, no, no. You know, I I don't know, Randy. Sometimes people have their lists, mm-hmm. and and the beautiful thing about lists that we talk about, I talked about this all the time. The motivation that it gives you, it doesn't take much. It takes a slight. It takes one person mm-hmm. or, or or a group of people not giving you your your just due, your props that you deserve, that mm-hmm. you have worked your butt off for, for you to say, oh, like 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 Michael Jordan said, and I took that personally. Uh-huh. Like that, that's Hopefully really these guys will do that. That's the mindset. And so now you're looking at two Cardinals, two future Hall of Famers, in my opinion, that are going to that are not listed as some of the top players. At their respective positions. I'm going to text this story to Wayno. Wayno will what, show what, that around the clubhouse. Yeah, see what they say. By the way, the only other Americans that they list as the top of their position in the WBC, Mike Trout and Mookie Betts. Trout, Betts, and Real Muto are the only three that they list as the best at their position. Uh, if you want bad news, Sandy Alcantara is listed as the best <laughs> pitcher, best right-handed pitcher. From the Dominican. Edwin Diaz listed as the best relief pitcher. He is from Puerto Rico. Uh, by, uh, the best lefty starting pitcher is uh, Julio Urias of Mexico. Well, I mean, if, if a Rosarena was on that list, it would be really bad. For it the would Cardinals. be really I bad, mean, yeah. At least, at least you got that, right? Yeah. You're, you're, you're okay with one. If it's two, you probably are you know, yeah. feeling really bad about yourself at this point. Yeah. This is done by Manny Randala. Manny, and what I, are you doing? Manny, Manny hey. You know, hey, you got us talking about your piece. Yeah, we do. <laughs> right. I thought you were going to say piece of something. But oh, yeah, we kind of is. <laughs> but maybe we're talking about it on the air in St. Louis, so maybe that's what he was. Maybe rather than being right, he was looking for reaction. Nah, there you go. Sometimes, and we do know some journalists and some TV heads, talking heads. That that that's how they make a living. It has happened. It has. That's Kerry. I'm Randy. That's today's big thing on 101 ESPN. Uh, write a strongly worded letter to MLB Network and say, hey, come on. Come on, man. Game six. Hello. Do you remember? Uh, coming up next, Mike Claiborne has a great piece up at ClaibsOnline.com. It's an interview with Ozzie Smith and Nolan Arenado. We're going to talk to Michael about that and more next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Broadcasting from the Car Shield Studio, this is the opening drive on 101 ESPN. Super Bowl champion Kerry Davis, Randy Carricker. We move to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line where Mike Claiborne is standing by from Jupiter, Florida, ClaibsOnline.com. Find them on the socials. Go to the YouTube and find Mike's interview with Ozzie Smith and Nolan Arenado, the best defensive shortstop of all time and arguably, for somebody, for some, uh, the greatest defensive third baseman of all time. Claibs, good morning. How are you doing? I'm doing well, sitting out watching some guys play a little catch. We have some BP coming up here in just a bit. 
weather is, uh, to be honest with you, it's a little warmer than what it normally is. We're going to probably hit mid-80s today, so everybody will be sweating at some point. Hey, Claves, we were talking about your piece earlier with Ozzy and Arenado, and I was saying to Randy how important it is, you know, as a player, when your peers recognize, you know, how good you are, but when the the legends recognize how good you are. Can you just speak to to how Arenado and, and Ozzy and how that, that whole conversation came about and how it went? Well, you know, it, it was interesting, Kerry. I was talking to Ozzy one day, and he was asking me what kind of guy was Arenado, and I said, Good guy. I mean, works hard and the whole nine. Yeah, he said, you know, I've never met him. He said, you got to be kidding me. And so I went to Nolan. I said, and Nolan asked uh, Ollie, can we get Ozzy to come to spring training? Because I've never met him. So I said to Nolan, I said, hey, you never met Ozzy? He said, no. I said, good. Because in about 20 minutes, you're going to have a chance to sit down and talk to him. <laughs> so that's how we put this whole thing together. And uh, thanks to the good folks at Cardinal Insider uh, who were very instrumental in putting this thing together with me. Uh, I owe them a lot because they did all the heavy lifting. I just got these three, two guys to sit down and talk. And uh, some of the things that they talked about with regard to preparation and their approach toward the game, it was kind of fascinating to hear and to listen to those guys pick each other's brains about playing defense and and how much they loved it and the work that they put into it. So um, we will drop – Part one tomorrow, uh, along with Cardinal Insider, they have some interesting stuff they're going to drop as well. And uh, I would suggest everybody just tune in for the next three days uh, after tomorrow and, and listen to these two guys. Never never seen before, never even knew each other until that visit. And from that point on, those guys are like Cub Scouts together, hanging out and just talking about the game. And, and Randy, you, you've known him for a long time. And he's not a guy that gets excited about a lot of players. But that's one of the few times that I've actually seen Ozzy kind of giddy to talk to a player that he had great admiration for from a distance and now having a chance to talk to him firsthand, I think meant a lot to him and certainly it meant to Nolan. Hey, hey, Claves, I was telling Randy, if I was uh, Mason Wynn or Nolan Gorman or, or Tommy Edmond, one of those guys, I would have just been sitting in the infield, you know, uh, crisscross applesauce, just wanting to be a part of that conversation, just to, to pick up some of the gems that were dropped. Were, were any of those guys privy to that conversation? Were they able to be around well, or, or, or have they been around, Ozzy, as well? Yeah, well, here's a good story for you. I don't know if you guys saw it on my Twitter account. Uh, I followed Ozzy one day, and he went up and introduced himself to Mason Wentz. <laughs> now, here's a 20-year-old guy, and all Mason said, you know, my stepfather just loves you, man. You got to meet him. And because, you know, he's 20 years old. He mm-hmm. never saw Ozzy play, but right. he saw the video. And so there, he, he and Jordan Walker are standing there. And so Ozzy says to him, he said, hey, what do you guys got going tomorrow? I said, oh, nothing. Probably be in the ring. He said, why don't you come have dinner with us? <laughs> and they just kept, so Mason Wentz said, me? <laughs> He said, yeah, yeah, you. He said, all right. So as we were walking away, um, Jordan Walker and uh, Mason Wynn were just kind of standing there. And all of a sudden, I just looked over my shoulder, and they were high-fiving each other. We're going to dinner with Ozzy. <laughs> and so, so that night, Ozzy and Mason Wynn sat next to each other, and, you know, they were picking each other's brains. It was a really great mentoring session uh, for this young man. Uh, and I had a chance to take some pictures of those two talking, and he sent them to him, and he sent them back to his parents. And I said, "Well, what did they get a kick out?" He said, "Man, well, my mother's still crying, so I think she liked it." <laughs> so uh, it was one of those things that, and you know how it is when you brush with greatness, and you've heard about it, and, and it's, it becomes contagious throughout your family that somebody that your family always admired, and now one of their own is having a chance to, to break bread with them and just get to know them. 
Mike Claiborne with us from Jupiter here on 101 ESPN. And Claibs, I want to talk some hockey with you because of the Ryan O'Reilly and Vladimir Tarasenko oh. trades. And you and I, uh, we remember when the, the Blues traded guys because they just couldn't afford to keep them anymore, whether it was Leud or Joey Mullen or uh, Chris Pronger. I mean, we, they've got a litany of Stanley Cup champions and Hall of Famers that they just couldn't afford to keep. I'd much rather have the situation now where you just don't want assets walking out the door. I didn't want them to trade Ryan O'Reilly, but I understood that they couldn't keep him. And I think this is a much more palatable situation for me than what it was 30 years ago. There's no doubt, Randy. I took a deep breath on this and understood the bigger picture here. Um, you know, how many times do you have guys walk out and you get nothing for them? Um, you know, sacrificial, if you want to call it that, so be it. But, you know, Ryan O'Reilly, to me, was one of the most important team leaders of our community while he was here. And I hope he comes back because of what he meant to this organization, this city, on and off the ice. You can name the captains on one hand of any sport that had that sort of impact. Uh, but with that said, you get some draft choices and some prospects or suspects. We don't know. Uh, and you have a chance to re- rebuild your organization basically on the fly. And who's to say there isn't a role for Ryan O'Reilly back in St. Louis? I mean, th- there's a lot of moving parts with this. And I think we just have to be patient with, but I had no problem with what they're doing and apparently what they're going to do. Claves, you look at the game that they gave up seven goals a couple of days ago. Uh, How do you, (laughs) yeah, exactly. How do you give, you know, Blues fans, you said be patient, but what can you give them in the time being that's going to give them confidence to to continue to watch this team? Are they going to be that bad or are they going to have a chance to fight to win some games? Well, you know, that's a great question, Kerry, because you know what? This is on the players. Because, you know, there's some guys that are going to get a real good long look on whether they can help this team or not. So there's going to be some guys that won't be here next year, and it won't be because they didn't get a chance. So there are minutes for players who have been grousing about not playing and this and that. Hey, here's the thing. Stay healthy, play hard, and you'll be amazed at what can happen. So I think it's going to be a great evaluation period, not just for the organization, but for fans as well. So if I'm a fan, I'm going to still watch. Because I want to see who wants to be here. Yeah, I'm intrigued I also. Who wants to be in the National Hockey League? Because if you get accused of being a dog on a team that's not very good, then that just tells you your options are going to be even worse when the season's over with. Uh, Mike, one thing before we let you go, and that's in regard, let's come back to Jupiter. Has anybody, and I, I know that we just started workouts and pitchers and catchers are, are throwing, but has anybody surprised you either with their health or with the way they look? Is anybody in the best shape of their life? Boy, you know, Nolan Gorman might check that box. Uh, Jordan Walker has filled out immensely since last. The only thing that hasn't got bigger on him are his hands, which were already the size of uh, serviette plates. <laughs> I've never seen a guy put together like this before. But, but Nolan Gorman kind of stands out. And, and maybe I'm looking at him more, Randy, because of his swing. His swing is different. Uh, he's down on the ball a little bit more. Uh, physically, everybody appears to be in shape. I'll tell you somebody who <clears throat> bulked up, Jordan Hicks, as if he needed another muscle. Uh, and uh, Paul Goldschmidt has bulked up a little bit as well. And, you know, for those sort of guys, I think they put on the added muscle and strength to make sure they have something left for the second half because this is a grueling sport when it comes to just wearing you down. And I think some guys want to just try and make sure they have a little bit more in the tank in the second half of the season 
And the only way you can have that is making sure you have something at the beginning of the first half. Claves Jordan is one of my Jordan Hicks is one of my players to have a breakout season. I wanted to ask you about uh, Tyler O'Neill working with the center fielders. Katie Wu reported that he was with, grouped with the center fielders yesterday, uh, him, and him and Carlson were kind of, I guess, battling for that center field starting job. What are your thoughts about that? Well, that's a great point you bring up. I just finished talking to Ali Marmo about that, and he said that Tyler O'Neill came to him in the offseason and said, "I want to crack at center field as well." So they're going to run him out there. This is a competition, okay? And Dylan Carlson is is fighting for his his career in St. Louis, uh, and plain and simple, they're going to he's going to have to really step up his game, and it really comes down to his offense more than anything else. But Dylan Carlson is a, in a fight for his job because everybody's going to be kicking the tires on it, whether it's O'Neill or uh, Lars Newbar. Uh, Oscar Mercado is here as well. I mean, they've got some guys that can play center field, so it's going to be up to Dylan Carlson to make sure he's on that opening day lineup card. Claves, we need everybody to be getting to Claves Online. Great stuff, as always, but the additional Arenado Ozzy feature that you'll have coming up over the next two or three days, and we just advise people to check you out on all the socials. It's going to be a lot of fun. I think somebody or everybody who listens and checks it out and watches uh, will come away knowing a little bit more about the game than before they turned it on for sure. These guys were terrific talking together, and I was just very honored to be part of it. Thank you, and Michael. And Cardinal Insider for it as well. They were instrumental in making this whole thing happen. Love it. Hey, always appreciate your time, and have a great time down there. Have a great day, and we'll talk to you soon. All right, boys, hurry up and get down here before the weather goes bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're worried about that, Clay. We're worried about getting down there. We'll see you later. Take care. Take care. Right. Mike Claiborne with us as he is every Tuesday here on 101 ESPN. We love him. Coming up next, uh, MLB executive Joe Martinez joined Buster Olney's Lifelong Learner podcast, said MLB expects the pace of athleticism to return, but not necessarily to the level that we would want. That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Yeah, that, that's, I mean, if you take the results from minor league testing and um, apply that to where we're at in the major leagues right now, that, that's where it gets us back to that, that kind of early 2000s level. I don't think there's anything wrong necessarily with getting back to the Vince Coleman days. I mean, I, you know, kind of remember them a little bit when, you know, pretty young kid, but, you know, something that fans say they want, and I think everyone agrees it's just a good part of baseball, is that athleticism. And as much as we can kind of have that featured in our game, um, I think that's that's for the better. That is the voice of Joe Martinez. He is the director of Major League Baseball's on-field strategy, and he joined Buster Only on the podcast Lifelong Learner. And, Kerry, we've heard a lot about the rules changes, no shift, the pitch clock, bigger bases, try to entice teams to utilize athleticism more. We here in St. Louis, we'd love to get back to Whitey Ball, Mm -hmm. but... He doesn't believe, Joe Martinez, that it'll get to that point. Maybe the early 2000s, which we had some pretty good baseball here in the early 2000s, but I don't think that's going far enough. I think that the baseball does need to get back to utilizing its great athleticism. For me, it was the best time of baseball. You, one of my favorite players, I was I was a Cardinals fan, but I was also an Oakland Athletics fan, and Ricky Henderson mm-hmm. stealing bases, and and it was it was just athleticism. It was guys that looked like me when I was growing up. Those guys were were fan Vince Coleman and 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 Willie McGee. Those guys stealing bases was made the game more exciting for me. It made it it made it 
always continuously moving. I think baseball became so stagnant when you're going from base to base and you're not having, you know, the ability or not the willingness to steal as much. It, it takes that element of, of excitement out of the game and it takes the it makes it more stagnant, which makes it slower and it makes it harder to to enjoy if you're not a, a true baseball enthusiast. I can boil it down to one word. Baseball is not aggressive right now. It's yeah. totally passive. What we're asking for is base for baseball to be aggressive. Be like the Kansas City mm-hmm. Chiefs. Be like the Edmonton Oilers. Be like the Golden State Warriors. Be aggressive offensively. We, we had Austin Prohl on earlier today, and the reason why he was on is because he caught the game winning pass, mm-hmm. but there was an aggressive nature. There was a, an ability by the rules of the XFL to allow you to score a touchdown and then go for three and then allow you to get a 15 yard uh, conversion and allow you to continue that drive. The rules allowed for us to have that moment. And when you are, if your baseball and your sport has, has been dying really a slow death for, for a long time because you've taken out the athleticism, because you do not really uh, show your stars in the light that, that the NBA does or the NFL does, you need something to bring eyeballs back to your product. And for me, if you got athletes that are are on the base pass that are, you know, constantly moving and not standing there, standing still, pitcher throws a strike, batter holds the bat on his shoulder, it's going to be more movement. It's going to be more exciting. I think that gets more eyeballs to your product, and it should allow you to to celebrate those stars a little bit better. You have a young son, so you can answer this question better than I can right now, but I think I know the answer. Would your young son and his friends rather go shoot threes like Steph Curry does or take a walk and stand on first base? We'd much rather shoot threes. I'd much rather shoot threes. I had to. So my son had his baseball meeting with his team. He's going to play baseball for the first time this year. And he was trying to decide his position. He's like, I don't want to play shortstop. I said, son. You're not going to play in the outfield. I said, you're going to be standing there. You're 10. Mm-hmm. There's not going to be many balls hit out. You're going to play shortstop, and it's going to be more active. It's going to be more things happening because I understand my son, who if it's not something going on, he's going to be in, in space, not paying go. attention. Mm-hmm. And that's how most of our children are. That's how most of our adults are. If it's not something that's happening right now, we turn it off. We turn to something else, and and you got to really love baseball to watch baseball in, in the in the manner that it has been for the last 10, 15 years. This element is going to add, and and it may not add the 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 element of the '80s, but I think it will add more of what you what you want to see. Now, Joe Martinez was asked by former Major League pitcher C.J. Wilson why Major League Baseball feels like they need to change. You know, I think it highlights maybe something about baseball, which is great is that we all kind of have our own opinions of the game, right? And even as former players and now fans, um, you know, we have this, we ask the same questions. The way that I see it is, is really trying to take, you know, our game back to what it looked like a number of years ago. So even though we're, we're putting, you know, new regulations in place, you know, it does things that, that kind of harken back to, to, to a bygone era, I guess, at this point, but you know, the shift restrictions, one way to look at it is is just kind of, you know, reintroducing a more traditional look and feel to the game, right? With players playing in positions you were used to seeing them in. You know, the pitch timer, while it while it does, um, you know, provide some new elements, um, it also gets guys just playing baseball and, and cuts out on a lot of that dead time, which has become more and more popular, right? So, 
you know, my hope and I think all of our hope is that when fans watch the games and, and I encourage fans to get out there to the ballpark, especially where I think it's most noticeable, but that it just kind of like, you know, looks like baseball, right? And everybody's idea of baseball is different. In Baltimore, Earl Weaver, back in the 70s and 80s, he was waiting for the three-run homer, which is what baseball is right now. Our our idea of what baseball was when we were young people is completely different. But mm-hmm. I would argue again, like you say, Kerry, that watching bodies move, and if you're an athlete, having bodies move rather than just a little ball flying over the fence or a yep. little ball uh, going for ball four and standing at first base— there, the more action you have, the better off your sport is going to be. Randy, we got to see this man often when he was with the Cincinnati Reds, and and there was fear struck into you anytime he got on the base. Benny, uh, Billy Hamilton, yeah, you were afraid. You didn't want him on the base pass. He is he is. Uh, uh, extended a career basically because he's fast and was able to steal bases mm-hmm. and and do that that was his job that was what he was able to do imagine having two or three guys on your team in your lineup that have that capability along with guys like Arenado where you can't be focused over on first base worrying about if this guy is going to steal you got to lock into the hitter I think it's going to add more value to baseball. It's going to add more excitement to baseball, and that's all we—that's all we're asking for. Make baseball fun. Make it mm-hmm. exciting. And I think that these rule changes, you know, will do that. I said, whenever Billy Hamilton was on the base paths, you were glued to that TV because it didn't matter how many outs it was. It didn't matter what the score was. You felt like he was going to steal a base, and you had Yadier Molina behind the plate, mm-hmm. and you right. still were worried about him taking off. And I was just going to say. If you're a young person driving around, you're 30 years old, and you don't remember Vince Coleman, just go to YouTube and Please type, go watch type it. Vince Coleman highlights. <laughs> and we need to put this in perspective because we're going to have a point in baseball with a pitcher only being able to throw over twice. Where a guy, like, can you imagine if a pitcher couldn't throw over to Vince Coleman anymore? It's 100. percent it, it, it probably is. His lead is going to be so extended that it's going to be it's going to be hard to catch him at any point. Yeah. Or the third time you throw over, you have to pick him off. If not, he he gets second base. Automatically, does that does that count as a steal? Will they count that as a steal? I think they should. They should, yeah. They, they should count that as a steal. If you get the third throw over and he's safe, you just yeah. give him yeah. a steal. Yeah, it, some maybe somebody will break the record. Yeah, maybe. so b- baseball, I don't think it has any choice. Even though they aren't wanting to get back to the '80s, I don't think it has any choice but to be better with these rules changes coming into play for 2023. That's Kerry. I'm Randy. Coming up, we're going to head down the stretch towards a balloon party with T-Mac and Ajax. Rock and roll next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Let's rock. Let's rock today. All right, we're going to get to uh, rock and roll in just a moment. Kerry Davis, uh, you have spent most of your life in professional sports, and you guys know when a player gets cut, why they get cut. But now you're kind of in the court. Well, yeah, not yeah, always. Not always. But Sometimes. Well, you you yeah. kind of have an idea. But players cut themselves. Yes a and no. Times. Yes so, and no. But now you're in the, in the corporate world where you get an email that says, <laughs> blank is no longer employed by the, the widget company. We thank Blank for his contributions and wish him well in his future endeavors. Doesn't that just foster curiosity on the part of every single employee? I, I think so. Especially I, when you get the uh, uh, 
you know, start off with something flowery and glowing <laughs> rather than no longer employed. Well, well, for me, Randy, when I, I tend to, I try to stay in my own lane and mind my own business. I, I learned, I got cut from multiple teams. So <laughs> I know the ins and outs of being cut and removed. Well, not removed physically, but, you know, no longer being allowed to be in a certain place. So I, I've learned to, we used to call him the the, 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 the reaper would come around. Yep. He, would, he would come, the Turk, he would come by and, and, and cut people. And, you know, that was, that was the job of, of this said person. He was, he was, his duty was to come and let you know, hey, hey, tap you on your shoulder. Hey, when you get a chance, can you grab your playbook for us? Bring, oh. bring, it, bring it with me. Bring it with you. So, excuse me? Yeah, just grab your playbook. I need you to talk. I need, I need you to come with me. I, I I don't I don't I don't want to. No, you, I need you to grab the playbook. You need to come. Like it's, it's this person. It's like he only has a few lines. Like he's programmed to say, "Hey, hey, Carrie, how you doing? I need you to come grab the playbook. Can you come with me? Huh? What did you say? Speak up. Man, just grab the playbook. You need to come with me. Man, I don't. Ah, okay. It's gotta suck being the Turk, though. It, I mean, it's a job, right? Yeah, right. It's yeah. a job. I told Man. you all. Let's need cut me. And it was in a in a room the size of a phone booth. Mm-hmm. And he told me, he said, "Hey, that's where I nap. You're not you're not quick enough. You're not fast enough to be a tailback. You're not big enough to be a fullback." <laughs> that was a harsh reality. Well, what the hell do you yeah. think I am? Like them picks. Yeah, yeah. So, so did you, did anybody ever make you feel great when you got cut? Yeah, nah. Okay. Nah, okay. Let me think. <laughs> I got let go one time in a in a. Uh, Budget-cutting move. It was at KMOX, 1996. They were firing like 11, 12 uh-huh. St. Valentine's Day Massacre. It was oh, man. Anniversary was last week. And our general manager at the time, Rod Zimmerman, brings me in and says, Randy, this has nothing to do with talent. He says, if it was my cho- we were a union shop. He said, if it was my choice, you'd be here. It'd be mm-hmm. somebody else that would be walking out the door. I love you, and I want to bring you back at some point, and I just want you to know that this has nothing to do with your talent or skill level. I walked out of the office after getting let go happier and more confident in myself than when I walked in. So so I had a similar situation. Tony Dungy has one mm-hmm. of those things after we, we played in the first game of the year, brought me into the office. Hey, um, we're going to have to let you go. We had a couple of injuries at safety. Uh, Doss went down. Uh, Bashir went down. We got we got we got to bring a couple of guys in. But we're gonna put you on practice squad. Go to the hotel, hang out. We'll we'll, we'll connect with you. Yeah, I never heard from him again until I was playing for the Pittsburgh Steelers a few years later when he came up and said, "Hey, Kerry, you know what, man? I'm so happy to see that you made it. I'm sorry that we couldn't keep you around." Man, what the hell do you mean? <laughs> he told the me. Miami Dolphins pretty much told me the same thing. I was there for one week. Hey, you know what? We're gonna go to the hotel, just hang out for a little bit. We're gonna uh, take care of some things. We're gonna assign you to. The- Man, I'm still waiting on a few phone calls. I got a few checks out there, Randy, from a few teams that I think owe me some money. I was gonna say, did you? Were you paying for the hotel? Oh, no, no, no. So okay. you can, you're in a hotel like, in Miami. I was going to ask the same thing. Just for a few days. But, okay, I but was take one, advantage, I, right? Yeah, yeah I mean, <laughs> Randy, I was waiting yeah, on a job to call. That. I wouldn't, I, if I'd have known that the job, it, well, listen, if I'd have known that they weren't going to call, I definitely would have yeah, taken advantage. advantage. Right, yeah, good but point. I, I didn't know what I was waiting on, and yeah. it never came up. All right, yeah. Matthew, what do you got on rock and roll? That can be tough. Is he open too long? Do I feel too long? Do I feel too long? No. (laughs) Uh, One thing I want to talk about that's just kind of coming across yesterday, it kind of slipped in under the Russell Westbrook news. Jacques Vaughn has been signed to a four-year contract extension by the New Jersey Nets. And listen here. Yes, he did a great job taking over for Steve Nash. He went 32-19, and but he did that with a lot of Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. And last time I checked, neither of them uh, play in a Nets jersey anymore. 
seems What's wrong with of, that? Seems kind of a weird decision to lock in a coach who you don't really know what he's going to be able to do when he's not coaching superstars. They had trouble getting coaches there when they had players. That's fair. Well, keeping yeah, keeping coaches. And now you too, got bridges. A, a I mean, four you see, year extension for a guy you Jack signed done a, He's, he's a great, done a great job. He's there. not a great coach. And he's by the way for a long time because he preceded Steve Nash. Yes. So he's done a really good job. I think he's a good coach. I, yeah, I'm not for saying, a young team I, especially. I'm not saying he's not a good coach. I am saying though it seems like a weird move by a franchise that's made. It's compounded a lot of weird moves over the years to just go ahead and jump all in with a four-year extension right off the bat. Again, when you haven't seen what he can do with the rest of the roster outside of superstar players, for well, the most part. Is this roster set up to win with, though? I mean, they got some guys, but they don't have the guys. So, I don't know. I, I'm, not a, I'm, not, I'm not bothered by the fact that he got an extension. He... he Hell, Rock, if you went through all the stuff he didn't went through the last couple <laughs> yeah, of right. what, what the hell? What do you want yeah, from him? He deserves. What do you want from him? I'm not, again, I'm not, yeah, I'm not, he, he got, he, I'm not he, holding anything against he, Jacques listen, you, you lost Harden. Obviously, he wasn't the head coach. Then you lost, you lost Kyrie. You lost KD. You got Ben Simmons who refuses to shoot the ball when he's five feet from the basket. What do you want from him, man? He is holding that thing together with bubble gum and 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 okay. glue sticks. See, like he is, he's patching holes in the boat. You know, he he's sticking his foot in one hole, putting his finger in. He's, he's the boat is leaking, and he's doing the best damn job he can do. He's great. This is the most transparent complaint in the history huh. of transparent complaints. Where did Jacques Vaughn, Vaughn go to college? Oh, he oh, did. Is he, is he Jayhawk? Yeah. Yeah, he went I to KSU. Where did, where did you go to college? I went to Mizzou. Yeah, he, he so it's 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 internal. It's right. He you know the the hate for KU see see now you can understand my when it comes to Mizzou. My That's, KU for again, you, this, Mizzou for me. This I, is nothing against the ability of Jacques Vaughn. No, this is just 100% has to do with the roster quality you now have and just the fact that you've never seen him coach the majority of this team without having at least one or two Hall of Famers dribbling the basketball the majority of the time. Phil He's Jackson isn't walking job. through that door. I'm, I'm, I, that's And that's fair. The question, we fire people too often, and the question that people ask that people hate to answer is, all right, if you fire that person, what are you going to do? Yeah. And the Nets did a good Bring job. Like Steve Nash? The, yeah, I was going to say, the Nets did a good job replacing Steve Nash when they had to fire him. But, again, you see a team in complete turmoil. They played, to, they traded away two of their stars, and they hired the coach to extension. Again, I'm not saying you fire the coach. I'm just saying maybe a, a four-year extension isn't isn't the move you want to be making. Here's another part of this. Like, Burby, don't fire is him. Is that if you are an a reasonably established or hot coach prospect, and the Nets come after you, you know the guy they want is Udoka, ultimately. Yeah. Because that's the guy they came after. I mean, yeah. they, they took a team to a, they took a team to a final. Right, but if you're another coach, why would you sign up there when you know that, and the Jacques Vaughn did, because he's there and he gets the money, but he knows Udoka is ultimately going to be the guy that they're after, right? Sean Marks worked with Udoka. That's the, that's the guy that they're going to want. So that's my thought process. That's fair. I, I, I You listen. It would be a bad break for somebody like Jacques Vaughn to not get hired, but I, I, I'm just saying weird organizational moves by organizations who are clearly bad is welcome to 24 NBA teams. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, hold on a second. That was that you could have said that 10 years ago, but the Lakers would have been a good team. So is it is it 25 down to, NBA is it down, teams? Is it down to 25 NBA teams? <laughs> right. It is fair enough. And is it was it was it fair that the entirety of the NBA um, media just 
completely just took down Russell Westbrook for five hours yesterday. Was that Man, Russell? Did that feel a Russell dirty? They they pick on Russ. That Russ has dirty, didn't it? Russ Russ is a guy that probably is 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 a march to his own beat type of guy, march to the beat of his yeah, own I'd drum type so. of guy. He doesn't really worry about what people say. Now Russ does at times lead himself down the path of, of destruction with some of his comments. I think he said a couple of years ago, I, I didn't have any expectations when I came to L.A. Yeah, okay. No one believes that, Russ. But with that being said, he is still a future Hall of Famer. He is still a top 75 or 76, whatever the number is, player in the league. He is an MVP. He is a he is a, uh, 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 a triple-double machine. He is a very, very good basketball, an elite basketball player, and so, you know, people give Russ a hard time. I, I wouldn't give Russ that much of a hard time. Russ was on the Oklahoma City team that went to the finals, right? Yep. Better career, Russ or Charles Barkley? Wow. Charles Barkley. Charles, Charles Barkley. MVPs, both won one. Russ has a triple-double thing. Both went to a finals and lost. Charles has the gold medal. I would say Charles Barkley because he actually, for me, it feels more like he was the 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 guy on he he took he was the MVP of the league and took his team to a championship and lost. Russ was the MVP of the league. I'm not sure they made the playoffs that year. Yeah, I'm not sure either. It, I, I well, don't remember. Here's the other thing: is this is just reality seeping in here? But Charles played at the same time as Michael. He, he did, and so sometimes that's, that's, that, that sometimes you, you run not into win a championship. You right? run into brick walls. Yep, absolutely. That brick wall says Michael Jordan on it. Great job today by our producer engineer, the one, the only Matthew Rocchio. Pleasure, Randy. Really quickly, somebody's saying, have you guys mentioned that T-Mobile subscribers can get MLS Pass for free today? Oh, right. T-Mobile Tuesdays. Get it. Didn't know that. Do it. Okay, I will check that out on my T-Mobile Tuesday. A, I used to be a Sprint guy. T-Mobile bought Sprint, so uh, shout out to the T-Mobile folks. <laughs> okay. Nick Rugone is going to join us in the morning. A lot of things going on with the Ascension Charity Classic, so uh, looking forward to that. We also may have Tim Bontemps talking about Jason Tatum. He covers Jason Tatum a lot. Tatum, top five player in the league now, a Chaminade guy from St. Louis. And so it'll be great to talk about him and a lot more coming your way. We thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show. For all of us, until tomorrow morning with Ask Uncle Randy at 7. Have a great day, St. Louis. That's right. You've been listening to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN and ESPN.com. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.